Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we will be discussing the sixth and seventh episode of Andor, season one, with a special guest. But before that, hi, I'm Liv. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and you can find me everywhere at Olivia Amidala. And my brainworm of the week is Taylor Swift being the only bitch who truly understands Han Kira. Really? <laughs> she she went off with Midnight Rain. That's that's it. <laughs> Appara- apparently, uh, Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston were very Han Kira coded. Yeah. <laughs> oh. What a twist. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, would you like to? Hi, oh. my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at taika.ytd and on Twitter and Instagram at mcuytd. God. Um, and my brain room of the week is Ella's Han Valance art that literally destroyed my ability to focus in my math class. So she... <laughs> <laughs> she posted it on Monday at 1.25 p.m., the middle of my math class. I could not focus the rest of the time, so I had to catch up on notes from them, and I had to skip class on Wednesday, so I had to, to catch up on notes for Monday and Wednesday, and then because I wasn't caught up on the, mo- on the notes for Monday and Wednesday, I couldn't go to class on Friday. So I literally had, I went to the library yesterday for five hours, and I caught up on, on all my notes there. So shout out to Ella for literally ruining my concentration on multivariable calculus (laughs) well technically vector calculus but now it's multivariable calculus it's we're we're not having a good time homies (laughs) yeah calculus is no joke (laughs) fuck isaac newton (laughs) Uh, emily why don't you introduce yourself uh, hi, I'm Emily. You can find me on TikTok at StardustM and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore StardustM. I use she, her pronouns. And my brainworm of the week is uh, Jin and Cassian Antihero by Taylor Swift coded, uh, period. <laughs> it's me. Hi, I'm a problem. It's me. <laughs> I wake up screaming, thinking one day you'll leave me. That's so Jin herself. Oh, uh, that album. That... That sounds a little like Han Valance, to be honest. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. Taylor Swift does it for the solo girlies, and she does it for the Rogue One girlies. Exactly. <laughs> she does. She does. Uh, Suhaila. Hi. <laughs> Hi, my name is Suhaila. Um, my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok and Twitter at SUS series, SUS series. Um, my brainworm of the week. So somebody posted on Twitter that scene where the KX unit first appears and put the, that song from Madagascar <laughs> with the- Oh my God. The, <laughs> yeah, I like them big. I like them funny. <laughs> it's so perfect. And like right in the middle of it, you see Cassian's head turn and it just, oh my goodness. It was like too funny. That, that was, that made my- K2SO Moto, Moto Moto Kin discuss. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot his name. <laughs> Sabi posted it, that video with a hot new bombshell has entered the villa. <laughs> <laughs> it's so oh, man. perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. That video is killing me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> so well, what happened this week? <laughs> well, technically not this week, but last week, technically, yeah. Last week, I, oh my God, I had four collabs in one weekend with all of our besties. Okay, so the story starts like this. I'll try I'll try to keep it simple, but there's a lot of moving parts, okay? So Thursday night, our friend Madison at Mads Fairchild on Twitter, she texts me and she says, hey, are you in the area? I'm gonna be in town. So I said, yeah. And then she says, okay, do you wanna go to Disneyland with me this weekend? So I said, hell yeah. Any excuse to ignore, you know, my math uh, homework and midterms and stuff. Um, and then... We, we set it up and she's going to pick me up on Saturday from, um, no, she's going to pick me up on Saturday from my dorm. And that's that. So I thought Friday night, our friend Jay over at, at Jay at Ember on Twitter, he texts me, I'm in the area. Do you want to meet up on Saturday? And remember, this is the same time that Mads was going to pick me up to take me to Disneyland. So I said, okay, but we can only hang out for a little because I'm actually collabing with another friend. So he said, okay, chill, swag. So um, around 10 a.m. Saturday morning rolls around. Mads said, hey, I actually forgot I have midterms. Uh, I can't come down and get you. Can you take the train up to Irvine? I'll pick you up and then we'll drive up to Anaheim. So I said, okay, swag, we're doing it. But then I realized, oh my God, I have to start packing now. Like now, if I'm going to hang out with my friend and then go take the train up to Irvine. So I spend the next like three hours just throwing shit in in the suitcase, trying not to forget anything, trying not to forget like my wallet, stuff like that. So finally I do it. Uh, Jay picks me up. We go to the comic book store. This is the stressful part. So the train goes from it goes from the transit center down to another transit center, and then the Amtrak picks you up from the transit center and takes you up to Oceanside. However, part of the train track that the train is on is closed. So what they had to do was they had to take us up to a certain point, and then they had, they chartered a bus to take us from that station to Irvine, where Mads picked me up, and then we drove up to Anaheim. Now another moving part. <laughs> so Mads had tickets to Halloween Horror Nights on Saturday, and I was originally just going to stay in the hotel and do homework. Um, well, she got those tickets from a friend because her and her boyfriend broke up, broke up, and then she came to another friend, but then the other friend that Mads was going to go with canceled. So she was like, hey, do you want to go to Universal Studios for free? And I said, hell yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're driving, we're driving, we're, we're taking like, we're, we're at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights, right? So we're waiting in line for the Black Phone Maze, which is the movie with Ethan Hawke. And we're in line. We'd already done a couple houses before. And then these two people getting out of line, they said, hey, are you in line? As we were in line. And we said, yeah. So they go, here, take these. Do you want to know what it was? Two free express unlimited passes to skip the lines and go in any house, any red that we wanted. Do you know how much the retail for? At least $400 a piece, if not $450. So that is literally like $800, $900 literally dropped into our lap. So then we went and we skipped all the lines for the other houses. We went to the Halloween maze. The Halloween maze was our, fra- was our favorite. Uh, so then we take our stuff from Hollywood. At this point, it's like midnight, 1 a.m. We take our stuff. We go from Hollywood back down to Anaheim because we're going to Disneyland the next day. Now, we, we were a bit of a savvy travelers. So we booked a really cheap hotel to stay at by Disney. Um, Mads goes in, we park, she gets the keys, and we walk into our room. It's the freaking Roach Motel, okay? 
like the second we walk in, we see at the very least three cockroaches scurrying across the floor. There's cigarette burns in the in the bed sheets. There's slashes on the bed sheets, stains on the wall. There was a cockroach crawling on the roof. So <laughs> Mads was kind enough as to oh besties, it was a ride. Mads was <laughs> Mads asked her friend, and they were kind enough to let us stay um, at their house, which was a little bit outside of Anaheim, um, at a, outside of the Anaheim area. So we get there. <laughs> It's, we get there at 2, 2 a.m., 2 a.m. This is taking place over like an hour. So 2 a.m., we both shower and we freaking pass out. <laughs> I wake up 7.30 because my body hates me. Um, and then Mads wakes up. We, we, we do our shebang. We get up. We go to Disneyland. Wow, it's so fun. Then around like 11, maybe 12, uh, I get a DM from another bestie of the pod, Sage Sandula. And they said, hey, are you in Disneyland today? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, I'm going to be in California Adventure from three to six. And then I'm going to be in Disneyland for the rest of the night. So I said, okay, swag, we'll meet up there. So we go, we have like a little bit of, we get on, I think, one or two rides in Disneyland. And then um, it gets to like three or so. So we walk over to California Adventure because we had a, we had a park hopper and we get there and it's another friend of ours from tiktok um Boricua wookie camilla camilla so we spent about like maybe 45 minutes an hour in california venture and then camilla was staying for oogie boogie bash so she left us and then sage mads and i went over to disneyland and then we spent like the rest of the night there but mads had to leave so she so she went back to do her midterms it was just me like me and Say is just like walking around Star Wars land and talking about Star Wars. And then we got to go to Oga's and we talked about the High Republic. We talked about High Republic Adventures. We talked about uh, Path of Deceit. And then once we were done at Oga's, we sat outside of the Falcon until about 1130 when my mom started texting me, why aren't you in San Diego? So I said, mom, <laughs> we're at Disneyland. You know this. And she's like, you better get the bag right now. So I said, okay, fine. So Sage and I left. She dropped me back off back at Matt's friend's house and then we drove back down to San Diego got there got here at 2 30 knocked out at 3 a.m woke up at 7 went to class at 10 so that was my weekend last weekend <laughs> it was wow. a lot I had a I had a less chaotic bestie collab but Savvy uh Savvy came and visited me and we got to watch Andor together so that was fun hey. Stardust That's Relay awesome. Yes. <laughs> and we went to Pals and both bought uh, Rogue One related books because of course. So <laughs> she also uh, bought the solo novelization. So, because she found a nice uh, hardcover that was I used. Want a hardcover. So, our impact. <laughs> <laughs> I have and a paperback. Then- I need to get a hardcover. Sorry. Go ahead. And then this week uh, also kind of related to what we're talking about, but the Andor or the first chunk of the and our soundtrack came out featuring yeah. the, funky, the funky beach music <laughs> neomos yeah Wait, what's everyone's uh favorite track i haven't i gotta say i've been busy so i haven't listened to the whole thing but so far neomos it's that one. it's a banger that one is i haven't listen to it either because I have just had midnights on repeat I'm so sorry <laughs> I made a playlist that was midnights and and or so I could listen okay. to and it. swagman it. Uh-huh. swagman approved 
I have to say, I still, uh, Pilgrim, which was at the end of episode two, oh yep. still a banger. And uh, Simon I've heard Sweet past is also. I've heard- yeah, I've heard past and past present sweet is pretty good. Like the slash, I've heard that one's yeah. really good. And isn't that the end of episode three when he's? I think it must be. I think so. Oh, it's yeah, big booming it's, music. Yeah, no, that's yeah, because um, it's the one where Luthen and it's what plays when Luthen and Cassie are like oh, riding across the, the booming one is episode two. That's the pilgrim yeah. one. Yeah, right. Yeah, slay, still slay. a banger. Um, I really like the big in the b2 one they're like just yeah. like happy <gasps> like i love one B2s. just reminds me of like wind chimes on a beat and it's just so yes. lovely <laughs> yeah so fitting for her is that what the plays B2 when he is gets so cute. is that what plays when b2 is introduced little yes. oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah, cute that's cute it's so cute <laughs> yeah that one gives me wally vibes <laughs> a little bit yeah. 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 whoa <laughs> Yes, with a hundred percent agree. <laughs> uh, so now we can move into our main part. So, uh, as you guys know, we didn't. We this was very busy last week, and you just heard our weekend, so we didn't uh, record. <laughs> so uh, this week we'll be going over both episode six and seven. We'll start with episode six though, uh, and we'll try not to get too far into like <laughs> episode seven stuff uh, before. But uh, so episode six overall thoughts that was kind of the end of the Aldani arc it was like watching an episode of Queen's Gambit but like to the max when I watched Queen's Gambit for the first time in 2020 well I mean obviously it was released for the first time in 2020 but when I watched it I I watched it on I watched it during my senior year of high school my last quarter my last winter quarter of high school and I was sitting with my with my AP Lit teacher, and I was just, the leg was bouncing up and down. Let me tell you, I gasped so many times throughout this episode. Just, like, Nemec, Nemec was the worst, because, like, you knew it was coming, but you didn't know when it was going to happen. And then you had, like, the, the undercover stuff with, like, Cassie going undercover, and then you had the stuff with, like, the Aldanis and, like, the just everything about mm-hmm. this episode was so stressful but it was so well done and well crafted just mwah, so yeah. so good also the eye breathtaking mm-hmm. i missed like visual effects like i know we've had a lot um a couple discussions about this and i've just seen some on the interwebs but andor took like filmed in real places and mm-hmm. not mostly in the volume like kenobi and mando have and you can really see that. And the fact that ILM was able to create the eye while having it be so beautiful and so like weighted and having it be the backdrop of this really tense situation with the Aldani rebels, which is again, mm-hmm. chef's kiss mastery. <laughs> Does anyone else want to go? <laughs> Yeah, this this episode was like adrenaline filled, like beginning to end to the point where like I didn't really process the last like quarter of <laughs> of the episode emotionally until like hours after the episode, like I had watched the episode because I was just like, yeah, my heart was racing, adrenal- adrenaline pumping, like it was, there's so much going on and they did such a good job showing like the high stakes through like the characters being like nervous, unsure, Val especially, like 
like her leading the group and then having that like long moment of hesitation was so good. Um, and yeah, the eye was beautiful. I feel like with Andor, they're doing a really good job saving like specific things for like big reveals, like the eye, the, the, the VFX for for the eye, the stormtroopers in episode seven, like the way that they show like different things that people are like expecting early on. It's like, why aren't there stormtroopers? Because the reveal, the way they use them is so good. Um, so they're doing a really good job of that. And like, yeah, the episode, uh, Nemec, anyways, we can get into the details later, but it, it blew my mind. <laughs> I, yeah, like this episode, I loved how the tension built. Like, you know, you spend that first part of the episode, it's building, everything is kind of going according to plan and you're just waiting for shit to hit the fan. Like it's building up and you just feel, yeah, that like increased anxiety um as you go along uh and I felt like this was such great payoff to like the first two Albani episode because episodes because you really got to spend time with these characters so that it made the loss of them hurt even more um and if we didn't have that character development this just wouldn't have been as impactful um and yeah the eye was like so stunning and I loved how like the audience was as much in all of it as like the characters on screen. I felt like that was so perfect that like, yeah, you see like that woman crying and you're just like, yeah, <laughs> like if I was there, like I'm close to crying and I'm watching it, but like, oh, and I just like, I wish like I could watch that on a, on a movie theater screen. Oh, mm -hmm. I was like, oh. oh my God. And it like is this type of like stunning visuals that like you would expect from a movie um yeah. just uh, so beautiful so fantastic um the action scenes were also just I think really like well done like it really did feel like the build-up to them was so good like not having really any action in episode five and this is just so much filled with it was so, so much great. just so much <laughs> <laughs> so much <laughs> Liv yeah I I absolutely love this episode it's Honestly, I feel like it's one of the best pieces of Star Wars media. Hands down. Just hands the, down. The tension is It's so palpable. Good. It's palpable. Yeah. Yes. And like I loved the bits with the um Aldani natives. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so well done. Um obviously Nemec. I will <sighs> I'll talk about Nemec more later, but like <laughs> that ruined me. Like I was inconsolable. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, oh my god, it was just so good. It was such a good episode. <laughs> also, the score, Nicholas Bertel has been putting his entire Bertussi into the score. <laughs> it's It has been so good. And I mean, I'd expect nothing Beautiful. less from the freaking composer of uh, Succession. But like, Moonlight. the music for the eye, like... Uh, Star Wars released that interview with him talking about how he constructed the sound of the eye and how he had the Aldani natives like chance mirror the sound of the eye like come on you yeah. he I'm I've said this before and I'll say it again when he gets his hands on those Rogue One themes I'm literally getting chills I, right now I am just waiting for when Saw shows up to see Ooh. what if he ends up doing anything with like the Saw's hideout music and how yes. he might end up twisting that and then even going in like season two how he might end up like playing with some of the music from the beginning oh. like especially um like Cassian's intro scene I'm, like I'm literally getting chills right now like bro <laughs> uh 
now we'll get into the actual heist. I guess I can probably just go by like we usually do character by character. So uh, first we have Cassian. Um, he was so, I think he was, it was so interesting in this episode. Because mm-hmm. I think this is like where you really see like how great of a rebel Cassian is, even if he is not willing to admit it himself yet. Like just this, he's so good in the mission on focusing on what he needs to do, making sure like the pieces fall into place. Um, I I loved it. And the conversation, his conversation with Nemec at the beginning, the, do I look thankful? That's like, first of all, Diego, like that, the acting in that scene between Diego and Alex was just fantastic. And like, yeah, do I look thankful? And he's like, I'm glad you're here, even if you don't like, even if like you don't want to be. I it was so so good. Um, and just like I and then there was that scene where like he was getting um strangled by the um Imperial officer. Oh, in the ship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Nemec ends up shooting, and there's like kind of this surprise on his face or like relief, and it's like how long has it has since Cassian could really rely on anyone to have his back like that to protect yeah. him like besides Marva like how long has it been since he's really felt that trust and like or has uh, he ever yeah exactly like besides like maybe on Canari with like mm-hmm. the other um kids like just and then the fact that he's the one who ends up saying like no we're gonna go to the doctor like he kind of ends up just being like give mm-hmm. me the coordinates to try to save Nemec it's mm-hmm. it's just and then I think we can get more into the skiing stuff when we maybe go skeen. over skiing skeen. Skeen. I I, I defended that to... man on this podcast. I know on this podcast. it was embarrassing <laughs> <Looked like a laughs> <pool>. <laughs> uh I keep oh sorry oh. I keep wanting to call him skis instead of skiing which I mean it makes skeen. sense <laughs> god I sorry go ahead go ahead oh no I was just saying anybody else other thoughts on Cassian oh one other thing um when he was when Skeen was talking to Cassian and he like starts to tell him what he's gonna do and then Cassian just shoots him again see his transition into Rogue One and when he has that confrontation with Vel and he sees that they tried to save him but they couldn't like come on man this this episode was just again one of the best pieces of star wars television if not star wars media mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can go um, yeah of course yeah i found it interesting to see cassian like you kind of got a side of him where he's just following orders right like he's just doing what he's you know been told because he doesn't want things to get messed up, but then he's also taking charge and he's like making quick decisions. And you can see like he has the experience that the rest of the team don't. Maybe aside from Bell and Cinta, um, or maybe even Skeen, but um, like he's not just making selfish decisions. He's making decisions for the team, like to to the success uh, of the mission. Um, but then at the end again, he he's still he's still protecting himself with min- trying to like minimize the impact on others. Like he found like another ship. He's like, I'm gonna take my cut. I found a ship. You've got your cargo. You've got your whatever. I'm leaving, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. right? So not like, you know, messing things up for the group whereas skiing was just 
but yeah and then there was like a moment where when they were on the elevator going down to um where they're keeping the peril and Vel's like you go out first and you can see that he's like oh this like there's a reason she wants me first like in the line of fire basically but he doesn't touch <laughs> on it he just goes for it like he there's a lot of like confidence in himself even if he like doesn't see it like I feel like Cassian's like this paradox of like what he says does not match his actions <laughs> and like he's there are things that he like doesn't want to admit about himself to himself um no. and it's 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 impressive seeing like how good he is already and he just needs to like get out of his own way <laughs> yeah no I and that's like the perfect establishment for like what we see in Rogue One, which is like this soldier who like is very used to following orders, even if it comes at like the detriment of like uh, either relationships that he's building or like in some cases, like his own kind of mental health and, you know, morals maybe. Um, and it's also interesting you brought up like what he says doesn't match what he's doing. Like um, in the Rogue One novelization, there's a lot on like him having to find Jin, even though he's like, oh, maybe I should just leave her. Like, why am I doing this? And it's so like interesting that like you bring that up, but that's like something that is very consistent with his character, even going into Rogue One, that like, even if he says one thing, he is usually doing another thing because I think in the end, it's almost like subconsciously, he always knows what the right thing is to do. Even if like uh, more consciously, he's disagreeing with that. Mm-hmm. he has a very strong moral compass that mm-hmm. like you know um inspires his actions even if he doesn't quite understand it and doesn't quite verbalize it um and we also see like how Nemec also understands Cassian <laughs> in the previous episode a little bit better than Cassian like understands himself like he can see him believing in the cause even if he's not willing to like pitch in and actually join and, and help with the rebellion but Nemec already sees it in him yes Liv, do you have any other thoughts? Once it's again, okay. you have lots of thoughts about Cassian. <laughs> <laughs> you cover it for me. <laughs> um, so then we can move on to, I just put Val and Cinta next. I put them together because we do separate them, but they have a couple of very big moments in this episode together. Uh, their girlfriend! Their girlfriend! <laughs> Kristen. Shout out to Kristen. Star Wars, my beloved. (laughs) She's actually a mutual of the pod account. So yeah. Yeah. I think I think I tweeted about it and then she found us from there. Thoughts on them. I love them. them. (laughs) Of everybody on the team, the two of them are like the most badass. And like like especially with like everything going on emotionally for the two of them as well and like I didn't know that they were going to separate but like they already knew that in the beginning and like doing all of that while being in that state and like the rest of the team just have their own stuff going on individually and then the heist but yeah no they're badasses Cinta especially man when she dropped in so that was that scene where she drops in that's when I thought that we were gonna like lose Nemec or he was gonna get injured or something so I was like I was stressed I was like I saw the blockers coming out and he was in the crossbar and was like, this is how it happened. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, and then she drops in and it was just like immediate joy. Um, and then Val obviously came in after that. But yeah, it was sad like when they separated, it was amazing to see the two of them like do their part of the heist because we didn't really know what that was going to be. Um, and then 
yeah like when Val was very like unsure and didn't know like whether to like go on like you could see Cynthia's strength in that moment like knowing the stakes and everything and she's like are we gonna do this <laughs> we're gonna do this <laughs> call <Yeah>. it <laughs> they're like tell tell me you'll be fine mm-hmm. and like yeah, and then and with that <laughs> with the hands but then she like lingers for a minute like just yeah. <laughs> yeah like re-watching that you can like see like re-watching it and knowing that they're separating at the end of it um you, you can see like more of the meaning between their scenes yeah like it feels like it does feel like it was like one of those moments where she like wanted to like kiss her and then did it but like it was yeah and like it really yeah shows Cinta's strength and like also like you know commitment to this like cause that like they really are willing to put like their personal feelings and like their own personal happiness because like it does not seem like they know if or when they're going to reunite um probably I'm hoping more when <laughs> less if um, but uh and like being able to set aside that and like probably like the one little bit of happiness that they've managed to find each other especially like considering what we learn about Cinta um, and the fact that like she watched her whole family get killed and like we don't even know like really what happened to Vel to lead her into this but like letting go of like that one little bit of happiness and joy that you've managed to find in all of this is is hard but it just shows like how strong both of them are to be willing to set that aside for something bigger I'm hoping we, oh, the only reason we didn't get a kiss in this episode is because it's going to be so much better when they do get reunited. Yes. 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 When we have like the, the bachelor-esque run and hug kiss. <laughs> yes. moment, one of them like, exactly. up in their arms, spins them around. <laughs> this is what I need. <laughs> the uh, Han, or Leia rescuing Han, but make it gay. <laughs> yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah yeah and Cinta I'm so interested that's more episode seven but I'm so interested in what she's doing because it does seem like she's not left behind on Eldani for just whatever because it was her role but like that she has like a specific reason and thing that she is doing Mm -hmm. I think Um, she's on either another mission or she's like wrapping up this mission in some way but maybe like yeah a new sort of side mission or a continuation of this one knowing you know the aftermath of what was going to happen yeah yeah and then I think you know Val at the end with Nemec it was so like it's so sad for her to you know I and it goes back to line either we win or everyone dies and then knowing that like it was kind of both like they won but you know she lost everyone she -hmm. lost I mean she had to leave her girlfriend behind she lost Tamarin and Nemec or uh, yeah Taramin and Nemec who she both trusted a lot and Skeen who she had trusted turns out was going to betray her the whole time so she's left with no one yeah Gorin too who she trusted like she's left with no one now basically because also Cassian left her and she didn't even really trust Cassian to begin with so the only one left (laughs) like she's left with this and she's left with this like like now grief of having to process like everything that just happened while also probably feeling responsible because she was the leader um and that's such a hard position for her to be in and Mm -hmm. like I really I feel for her 
Um, and yeah, when Skeen is like, well, you know, you don't like trying to suggest that she doesn't actually care about Nemec, like when I think like it's very clear how much she cared about everyone on that team. But like she also is trying to put the mission first and like be a good rebel and a good leader. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts on them? Okay, we'll move on to Gorn. Wait, gay oh. is in, gay is hot, gay it's gonna be. From I TikTok. love gay. I think that's how it goes. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, next, we have Gorn, uh, who we actually get to see a lot of in this episode. Um, and we get to see his kind of like, his setup. I, I really liked seeing how he was kind of setting up the mission for them to succeed. Um, and the line, I forget exactly what they said, but it was something like, um, I, it was when the, the Aldani had said something about like worth it or like if your heart is pure mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. he's saying it to Gorn as like an insult, but like we know that like Gorn's heart is pure because he is actively trying to like uh, take down the people that are like doing this and and then his line uh you'll hang for this seven years under you I deserve worse I do that line goes hard (laughs) it goes hard like this acceptance of like I mean we both I think we see in Gordon and and Tam or Taraman like you know they spent so many years trying to to make up and, and be forgiven even by themselves for what they did when they were under the empire. And it makes me sad that like both of them also had to end up dying in imperial uniform when that wasn't a true representation of who they were in the end. Um, yeah. yeah, God, but, and I thought it was so cool like how you knew that he probably knew Aldani because he had a relationship with a, a local and like the loss of that and like knowing that like losing her is what partially what motivated him to become a rebel is just like oh god I, I love Gordon so much and I'm so sad and it was so fast like it happened so fast at first I was like wait and then everyone was like well maybe he's not dead and I was like but if they left him behind the empire is just gonna kill him like I don't like I don't want him to be alive and for them not to be able to save him like mm-hmm. uh it hurt yeah yeah, I was gonna say like for Gorn, it was really impressive to me how well he was playing his part. And like to me, I think out of all the rebels, he was the most interesting one because you could see the way that he operates with the rest of the Imperials and like the amount of like respect, reverence, and probably a bit of fear <laughs> that they all have for him, right? And like he's playing his part, he's doing his job really well. And you can see that like he hates doing it, but he's doing it because he can't have any room for suspicion and nobody suspects anything of him until they literally see him <laughs> with piles of money <laughs> and even and then even then trying like, even then they like yeah even then they hesitate and they're like oh okay like i'm following his orders but then if, if the commandant wasn't there or you know like there wouldn't have been any question and they would have mm-hmm. probably just left right like mm-hmm. that's how well he's done his part um and i will say the way that they like showed his death does not sit well with me it was very like quick very sudden Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize that he was down to be honest I just didn't see him in the fight anymore and I was like wait 
and then I have to like go back they didn't have like a clear shot of him nobody reacted from the rest of the team and I was like what like I understand that he didn't spend as much time with them but that doesn't make him any less important on the team and then we see obviously with Karim and you know Bell's reaction it's almost like did nobody see that and like nobody asked about him and like I that did not did not sit right with me how the show treated his his um his death but other to, than that yeah. like the way that, yeah yeah I have to agree like I understand from like the point of view of like you're supposed to be it's like the heat of battle things are happening really fast it's possible that not even they realize like who is down who is still up um but yeah I also think I also wish that we had gotten more of a moment to really sit with him at least like a clear shot of him yeah like in the and, like, show like there's how the team reacted but then it's also how the show presented it I don't know um, or like um like kind of like how when Baze is is about to die in Rogue One, we get this shot of cheer it, and we see him like something like that where you really could have even like seeing his body. I know it would have been kind of like startling, but like just to have that moment to process yeah. his death in yeah. a way that like we often get for other characters mm-hmm. would have been very nice, especially considering that like like he was an Imperial defector who ended up dying for the cause. Like that's not he unsignificant. Was the most yeah, yeah. Like none of this would have been possible if it wasn't for him. Yeah, um, it's like, um, or like even something similar like Bodhi's death in Rogue One, where like we kind of see him like come to the like terms with what's happening. Like, yeah, I really wish that that would have been we would have gotten more, um, because he was significant and like he did have a real impact. Um, yeah, I hundred percent agree. It was yeah. it made me upset, and I especially because how much I just like love his character I it was upsetting to, to me to yeah. not get a moment to feel like we got to mourn him yeah yeah and like I had a, mere, a moment at the end like after the episode ended and I was kind of processing all of this I was like maybe because they didn't show it clearly maybe he's still alive but then like you said the implications of him being alive and yeah. what the empire is going to do to him unless the commandant doesn't survive because then nobody else Mm-hmm. there but then when the ship leaves I, I don't think anybody survives that <laughs> anyways so no yeah and then it's no, like no yeah I'm like it's sad because like you realize like Cinta doesn't even also Cinta doesn't know what happened to anybody she doesn't know because yeah. I'm assuming what happened was Tamarin or Taramin and Gordon were supposed to leave on the ship like that scene because he was they were both walking up on yeah. it before other stuff happened so like she doesn't even know that they were gone <laughs> So like that's also and she doesn't know Nevik or scheme. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Um, and now we can move on to Terramin. We knew this from the uh, Star Wars databank, but I think this was the first time they show it in the show that he was a um, a, d- a defected stormtrooper. Tro- yeah, defector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. That was my um. And like, yeah, he loves getting orders. And it, it's interesting. I like that dynamic of like, he loves giving orders because he spent so many years having to take them unquestionably. So he finally, like, when he has control of a situation, he is going to take it. Mm-hmm. And you can see the training coming out as well. Um, and I think the, the reason that the four of them were able to like, work so well and like, follow protocols and whatever is because he knew how they were supposed to act and look and and all of that and there was a moment there when they were like chatting and he's like I forget what what he said but um like form up or something like that you know getting Mm -hmm. him to like 
you know, hey, we're still, we still got to like keep up our <laughs> appearances here. Um, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more like interaction from him. Like we got like the very practical interactions um, like for, you know, like planning out um, like when they had the little like at the table, like planning things out and going over them with Cassian and Zell and like him training them and whatnot. But I wish there was more of like just moments where it wasn't just like training and, and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. To like actually get to like see him kind of outside of who he's supposed to be as a soldier. Um, yeah, especially because it seems like he was really Vel's right hand. Like she clearly mm -hmm. had a lot of weight in his, what he said, um, like trusting him personally. Um, and also I think what we learn, I'm hoping maybe in the future we get this because I think um, Vel or Cinta and Tamarin, Tamarin are a really good example of how um, it would be like to really process how Imperial defectors go about making up um, kind of seeking forgiveness in individual people that they hurt or in his case like because I don't think like he was exactly the stormtrooper just like what you associate with the hurt um because yeah. we don't even really like as much as we see Callus really have a redemption arc we never really get to see him go through that process with I think Zeb especially um so I really hope that like and I think like Cinta and him could have been a really great way to like see what does it take to forgive someone for those sins even when they are they've 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 recognized it's wrong but like how do you forgive them mm -hmm. how do you learn to trust them when all you've known is is having to distrust them um mm -hmm. is really interesting and something that I hope if that doesn't get explored between the two of them that it potentially gets explored with other characters um potentially Cassian and someone who maybe defects could be very interesting mm -hmm. A character I really want to see that arc with is Riva from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yes. That's who I really want to see because, I mean, well, I guess spoilers if you haven't watched the show, but she survives <laughs> at the end of it. Um, and we don't really know what she's going to do next, but I hope that she does have years at least, you know, like not just turns back to the light and then immediately kind of dies, which we've seen with a lot of characters, but gets that arc of like having to like not just redeem herself with others but for herself um and have to like grapple with that like you know all the things that she's done and and you know sacrificed and all of that and actually like put in put in the work and kind of getting to see other people interact with her and forgive her and what she ends up doing to make up for it yeah yes I would absolutely love that and I think um like, I think my friend Mo on Twitter made a really great point, which is that it is sad how often in Star Wars, what happens is we will see black and brown imperial defectors who end up dying before they can really see what comes of their work. We see it with Bodhi, we see it with uh, Tamron and Gorn. Um, yep. uh, I think- um, I think Tala too. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, Tala is another great example. Like we see these people who have defected who, and then they don't really, they die before they really get to see the impact of their work. So I think like Reva is a really great character to see that impact with. Um, I also brought up like Finn. Um, Finn, yeah. Because absolutely. I think we see it a little, but to really have Finn see like what his joining the resistance did after the first order falls, I think would be very impactful. Um, and also like, you know, potentially they could also put, um, 
you know, have another Imperial Defector in this show, but I think like that's something that it is something that has repeatedly happened in Star Wars and something that I think that they need to do better on because these people deserve to have like their full stories told. Mm -hmm. They deserve to see the goodness that their decisions brought and to really know that like they did, like as Bodhi said, like you, they really did get their hearts right and set the, and help the galaxy. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would, I think that, yeah, I think it's sad how often that happens. And I wish, I think Cinta could be a great example if um, she ends up living that, or, but she's not a defector. So then it's a yeah. different situation, <laughs> but other defectors um, mm-hmm. to get, to get the callous treatment, to get, get to live and, and see the fullness um, of your actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we'll go into the two of our kind of heavier hitters this episode skiing bastard <laughs> bastard you said it first of all i would be terrified of him he's fucking scary yelling at those people yeah I'm, like the panic that i would be feeling when he yells the pallid, when he the pallid scrawny scruffy white man yelling no, at he, you. he gives like white supremacist vibes i'm sorry but i mean <laughs> just saying you're not wrong (laughs) no he looks like he would be from florida i'm from florida i can say that he He looks like he would be from florida i feel like i feel like he'd be like if like uh, he was like i feel like if i'd be i'd be like working with him like we'd be like working like a at like some sort of service and i'd do something and he'd just like scream at me and i'd have to like stand there like holding back tears serial core if Cyril cries at anything. Cyril doesn't even even be yelled let at. Let the man cry. cry. Let the oh. man cry. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, and him allegedly like it seems like now he lied about his brother. He does not have a brother. Like, wow. There's like yeah. There's like the the like exterior hardness. There's the yelling, whatever. But like that duplicitousness with that specific story scares me the most mm-hmm. yeah like the fact that he just like conjured it up he like got like all this sympathy with the way that he was telling it like it's scary yeah. um it, like it invalidates so many other people's experiences yeah and it's just so i i hated that part the most at, at first during that conversation i thought that he was testing cassian and then as soon as he said that I'm yes like, yeah yeah and <laughs> like, like it's it's also insane because like it's not even that he really has to lie about his story like because we it seems to be the complete truth that he was in prison for the empire for whatever reason he didn't need another reason yeah he didn't need another reason to hate the empire to get people's sympathy on your side no matter what like even if you because like at this point most of the time even if you do commit a crime against the empire it's like yeah usually they're trumping up it's hard sentences or it's something that would not have been a crime in another situation and now they've decided that this is how they're going to control people mm-hmm. him doing that and it's and what's fucked about it is you know that Cassian and him were relating to each other and Cassian actually mm-hmm. lost his sister and mm-hmm. Skeen lied about it after mm-hmm. connecting oh, with Cassian and I think that's really when Cassian kind of made his decision because I just that personal gut of like I actually have lost that 
and you lied about it and yeah. I trusted you because he lied you about lied it to about get it. money he, yeah exactly he made up that lie in order for at the end of it not just to get money to get Cassian to help him to get the money because he doesn't yes. know how to fly and like from the big be- like he planned this all as soon as he saw Cassian basically uh I mean maybe not like the lie with the story but like that because I guess the rest of the team already knew that but he knew that he could like use all of that in order to like get Cassian on his side and that conversation as well when they were when he had like his guns and things like that um trying to like relate to him be like oh like you understand what this means oh we're like the same in these ways like he's trying to like get him on his side um in order to then use him and use that sympathy and manipulate him yeah and like and I do wonder like part of me wonders if like how long he had been planning this or if it was specifically Nemec's like death because like part of me is like did he fake all the way like with Nemec and like you can see the groundwork because like you know he kind of always rolls his eyes with the like oh Nemec finds oppression everywhere and Skeen pretends not to see it turns out maybe he wasn't pretending so much. <laughs> um like I do wonder if like losing Nemec was also maybe a big motivator and like okay whatever I'm just gonna take the money and go then because like the what opportunity. like what mm-hmm. is it worth it if like maybe the one person that I actually liked died during this like but god it's fucked <laughs> Also, no, like that's... left people in his way. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, and that's... Was, there's an opportunity. Not... Yeah, and didn't he say there would only be two cuts? Like, yeah, he's... just him and Cassian. Yeah, skating. and the fact that Nemec believed in him too, because like you could tell Nemec trusted and believed in him, and him using like his death, his injury to try to get away. Oh my god, I hate that. The moment I realized that's why he wanted them to go to the doctor not to actually save Nemec <gasps> like oh this is yep. this is my sworn oh. enemy I hate him I hate yep. him <laughs> no he's another character like you know how Star Wars just has those characters that like you you can't redeem like he's Pong he's Krell. one he's of the new Pong Krell. he's the new Pong Krell <laughs> like if you him. it seems like oh I just got at, on the surface it seems like oh I just got selfish and wanted all this money for myself but once you go into his actions and dissect why he did it like mm-hmm. that's fucking vile i know i use vile as like a joke word sometimes no that's that's like vile fucked up this mm-hmm. is why this show will present to you some of the like sweetest most wonderful men that have ever been in star wars and then they'll be like here's this absolute irredeemable piece of shit <laughs> you just like are like thanks the duality of man yeah true this show <laughs> But it's like it's, it's so, so real. Like it's not nobody's just all good or all bad or exactly or right. Yes. Someone you see them like mm-hmm. you, you. You have to spend time with all these characters in order to like understand them. And some of them you're never gonna get an answer. And some of them you're gonna get the answer after you've been <laughs> lied to and, and you know <laughs> you thought the other way. Um, and like, oh, but it is sad or like not sad, but I thought it was interesting how the like. Uh, I'm a rebel it's me against everyone else I did think it was interesting how many characters that line could apply to like I did because it, it is very Han, like it, at the very Han, least that's what I said that like it, it it did remind me of like I just tweeted it about like you know it did remind me a little bit of that interact like Jin and Saw's interaction like, I was gonna say know, Jin. Jin, at, Jin at the beginning of Rogue One um definitely Han from like that point yeah. on yeah New Up Hope someone like even Finn kind of during the last Jedi when he's like so determined to like just kind of protect to him and Ray, like, get Ray yeah 
yeah, like it's kind of those, and even even Cassian at this point in the yeah. series, yeah, mm-hmm. like it's so interesting how, it, like it's a piece. It's like you want to be mad at him for that, but like knowing how many characters you like that kind of do fit that bill. And I mean, he, you still mad at him, fuck skin. But but it is he does make a very interesting point about how I think about how like some people don't just view it as me against the empire. It is really me against everyone, and that includes the empire. But I'm not actively against them, and it is mostly because usually because of how much these people have lost and how much they have horror they have seen. You know, Jin. Yeah getting abandoned by saw um, not a problem on, if you don't look up yeah, yeah on on mimbam uh skiing in prison like mm-hmm. all of that is it's so interesting it's also interesting how a lot of this is a result of the empire like all of these people became this way because of the empire that they didn't just become this way on their own and and to see just how insidious like you know all the tentacles of the empire and how they affect everybody right mm-hmm. um and like even to like compared to real life like there's so many people that are in situations like this where they have to do whatever they need to in order to like survive and it's not because this is the type of person they are but this is because our society is built in a way that that puts them in that position and like they they kind of don't really have another choice and it's so easy to just be like oh they're the bad guys or whatever I mean for skiing (laughs) (laughs) this sentiment he's saying (laughs) There are, you know, like there are people who who get become that or or are close to that because they kind of have to. There's nobody looking out for them. There's not like nothing in society is helping them out. In fact, like everything, you know, that that society has like created keeps pushing them down and down and for them to even just live and survive and when they see an opportunity they take it. So it's, yeah. it's it's very interesting. I love like all of the commentary and all of like the parallels that the show has to just like real life yes yes oh and episode seven there is oh yeah we'll, <laughs> a we'll, lot of we'll get into that <laughs> but like yeah it's so like it's so interesting how like basically it really is like everything in star wars like even problems that seem personal can be directly linked back to the empire like you think oh well saw leaving Jin is on saw except why is he leaving Jin? because his whole life ha- has been about fighting the empire so really it's kind of like in the end it him leaving her is a result direct result of the empire and their mm-hmm. oppression like yeah, it all kind of Jin... okay oh no like it's like or why you know the entire situation with like the crime syndicates in solo is a direct result of the empire allowing that to happen <laughs> and allowing them to you know to use their own power to oppress people and get what they want because it's it kind of helps the empire in the end like stuff like that is it always goes back to the empire and their want for control and oppression um if there's no other thoughts on skiing we'll move on to to poor baby namek oh namek as i said before eddie munson coded (laughs) as soon as they introduce that fucker you know he's a goner oh well i mean yeah you knew it but then they I fell for the promo video or photos or whatever where they like have him um, being like attended to and you're like, oh, well, maybe he does survive. We so thought he was going to get cyborgified. We were so yeah. excited. <laughs> Literally one of our points of interest in the last episode was the cyborgification of Nemec. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't make it that I mean, far. It would have been interesting to have <gasps> another character because um, we see that with Fennec. Um, yeah, join the cyborg ranks. <laughs> yeah, if if only if only they had gone to Thundercat <laughs> instead, maybe <laughs> Fennec would have been okay. <laughs> oh my god! No, oh, as they soon, try as to string you he... along. Yes, because and it's the worst kind of it because he is escaping. That's the worst of it. Um, is because it's not. It's not. It's when they are escaping that it happens. I almost and forgot. It was completely an accident. Yeah, like, <laughs> it was an accident. It was, and like, do yeah, you think I had almost forgotten that like that that something was going to happen to him? I got so yes! caught up in the moment. He survived the what I thought was going to be the gunshot exactly. that got him. He survived the the firefight that like, you know, I and didn't then you're think like, he had the skills to survive. And then you're and thinking, you're like, oh. And you're like, Oh, so that doctor photo must have been at the end. Like, you're like, there must have been another situation where he gets in trouble. Like, maybe he does live for this one, at least. I was, like, in that moment, like, the adrenaline and then a bit of, like, euphoria of, like, oh, they're, like, they made it out. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I can't. The high fighters, but, yeah, they, like, just made it out of that situation. And I was, like, okay, yes, they're, they're like, out of the heist. They're going to make it. Okay. Note. When I saw the TIE Fighters, I originally, from the the trailers, I thought it was going to be, I thought we were going to go Karita. So that, those shots from the trailers, I thought were going to be Karita because isn't it the the Rogue One, the, the, the guidebook or whatever, that it says Cassian's father was killed on Karita and not on that, what was the planet? Uh, well, Steergard. Well, Sorry. in the, I mean, we know from episode seven, it turns out he ended up being killed on Ferrix oh. too. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah. So I, I was clowning in that moment. However, I did appreciate the fact that we got to see the TIE fighters like suiting up and people getting into the TIE fighters. That, I really that enjoyed that. That was so cool. And yeah. against the, the background. Oh, the eye. The eye. So good. So good. Again, visuals, chef's kiss. Yes. And oh, but the beginning, the word network's like, when I can't sleep, I write. And he was like, I wrote about you. And it's so I loved the 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 line about like, you know, we have to use every advantage because the the empire has no morals. And yeah. I was like, first of all, baby boy, Sagarero would have loved you. <laughs> or I yep. think Nemic, <laughs> Nemic Sagarero would have loved you. Please <laughs> read that manifesto, my man. Uh, but like that's like I love I love that and like it does like even like going forward it like reminds me of like you know then like as we think of like vampire using uh Jin and uh, and bargaining for her freedom so they can use her and um Obi-Wan offering to pay Han to come and rescue Leia like that like yeah they're using the mercenaries for like every advantage that they can get and that's fine Mm -hmm. and that it's good because the empire would do the same and they have done the same because if you think about like much worse too and like and if you think about like uh vader hiring bounty hunters Mm -hmm. to track down like (laughs) all of that (laughs) like they will use every advantage um or like uh dj in the last jedi dj Um, i feel i want to see more of dj i like his character I just I love how they show you see the the themes and there's there's so many you can connect to then other characters throughout the whole series, um, mm-hmm. and then oh you'll you'll sleep when it's done, 
stop. He, that that's the moment where I knew. He, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He did he's technically dead. sleep. Exactly. The long sleep, but still. <laughs> no. I also, hope he's having a good, peaceful sleep. I'm also, so I, uh, Dan Gilroy. I think very Dan Gilroy. With I think, I'm in your fucking walls for making <laughs> climb the climb oh, and climb oh, parallel. God, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He do what he's doing. Hearts. Fuck the Gilroy Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck Gilroy nepotism. And they're like trying to hide behind, hey, look, we're giving you this amazing story. Also, here's all of these stabs were in your chest. Yeah. Here's, here's, so just so you know, so as Cassian is also thinking about his one and only friend dying, he can also remember about the time, the last time somebody told him to climb and how they died shortly after. So fun for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sorry. It's the way, and then the fact that he he wanted Cassian of all oh, people God. to have the manifesto. I knew it. I knew it. As soon as they started talking about it, I'm like, Cassian, if ne- something happens to Nemec, Cassian's gonna get, gonna end up with the manifesto. And I don't know where it is right now and what's gonna happen to it, because like, I mean, we can discuss in episode seven, but like, yeah, they haven't brought it up since, but like, that manifesto was gonna be important. I still am banking on rebellions are built on hope being oh, yeah. in that manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially because they set up like it was like um, with Skeen's whole line about like luck is the thing that runs the galaxy. Yeah, I think there's yeah, gonna yeah. be this balance of it's not like luck, it's hope that that runs it. Um, I want to die thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, rest <laughs> in peace, sweet baby boy. Rest in peace. You soon. really, you, you really tiny- the partisans. Yeah, if you would love Sagarera now. Skeet was lying when he said Sagarera would kill it would kill you. He would probably be like obsessed with you. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh. And then right at the very end, after everything, we have the reactions to Eldani getting out. Oh, and we have the ISB, Mon Mothma, and Luthen. Imperial Senate. Imperial Senate. But that at Senate what cost? Also, yeah. <laughs> That Senate scene was so interesting because, like, you can tell that, like, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. for show for, like, the few people, for the few senators who are actually still showing up and, like, are they even able to, like, do anything, right? Because, I mean, we know Palpatine's been sending everything behind the scenes and they can talk all they want. Um, but, yeah, like, them getting, it's, it's like, you know, our, our phones when they go off in the middle of, like, a meeting of <laughs> some sort of news event. Um, it was yeah. so interesting to kind of see that happen also with like within star wars i was like it was very trying to work on like january 6th vibes <laughs> yeah. when you're like you're like oh okay i guess i'll just keep answering my emails <laughs> yeah. like but like even them showing like how many of the pods were empty before the news was even hitting mm-hmm. how little people were paying attention and then oh, them finding out and then you see the isb Going to like, full steam. Out. Total full steam. Oh, God, that was so. And then we're, finally, you have... we're going to talk about Deidre in this episode. Or yeah. in episode seven. In episode seven. There is. And she was have... right. <laughs> if they listen to Detra in the first place, just say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you have Luthen, which, and his, when the guy in the co- with the shop says, Do you have anything for Aldani? So it's like a look in the back. I'm he sorry, can't. that was 
That was kind of funny. And his like, <laughs> I might love- have something, but I can't pinpoint it. I just love how it was such a human moment of like, he's so good at like his, at hiding like who he really is. But in that moment, he just like cannot hide his joy. Mm-hmm. And like, he and just has to have they're like double lives. They're like double personalities. Oh, they do it so, so well. Good. Oh, yeah. Like it's so, and just like knowing in that moment, like he can't hide it because he's like finally like succeeded. Yeah. So good. And hi- and ending the episode, it's also so interesting, like ending the episode, like the like knowing he's celebrating, but also knowing that like he doesn't know, like the losses that like the mm-hmm. people he's hired has just suffered that like most of them have died Val who is his team member is now having to deal with the grief of losing everyone that she trusted yeah yeah I think it also shows like what his priority is and it's that it makes the news like there is yes the getting mm-hmm. the money and yeah. you know the heist being successful and the people surviving but also like the fact that it made the news that made him really excited and then obviously we get to see in, in episode seven so like in retrospect it makes sense as to why he was so happy with it being in the news like that the way the, that um the, the rats stars... are gonna absolutely hate this <laughs> announcement but the rats don't live <laughs> the city we do, <laughs> we do. <laughs> but the way that pr is used in the star wars universe is very interesting like i don't know if you've read um dr afro suhela but no, there's a I whole arc sorry it's on my list i keep seeing like okay. i'm like still new to like star wars books and comics and everything oh, um yeah. but like You're i don't know people talk about certain yeah. things and i'm like <laughs> making a list <laughs> well, it, it's a lot, but you're you're gonna have a time. But specifically in Afra, there's an entire arc about um, Afra like being hired to kill the emperor, but she's not really being hired to kill the emperor. It's just the empire wants them to make sure that it's pinned on the rebels and not exactly Afra. But then Afra spins mm-hmm. it so that she gets the PR to show like the PR lady is behind it. I don't know. The, the the concept that they're using PR in Star Wars is very interesting, especially um, in the context of this pre-open um, rebellion empire. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I had to say on that. Yeah. And like that, I mean, it kind of goes into like uh, Mon Mothma and like Luthen too, but like, like, you know, when you talk about PR, the fact that like Mon Mothma has a little bit more concern about how the rebellion looks to mm-hmm. the general public, whereas like someone like Saw is more concerned with just fighting the empire. He doesn't care how he looks. He doesn't care mm-hmm. how he comes across. He just cares about getting it done um, and how, you know, both ways have their goods and bad sides. Um, yeah, and then how like, and then also additionally how someone like the empire can spin it. So, oh, you have to be careful with the rebels because they might be someone like Saw Gerrera and you don't want that. That's exactly mm-hmm. what that arc is about. And it's about spinning a certain cell of rebels to look like they're killing the emperor. Yeah. Well, it's just like with how they spun the whole Clone Wars Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Thing, right? Like it's yes. all propaganda and the Empire's doing such a good job of it that like, I think part of the freak out is the fact that they're, they realize that they don't quite have the narrative. And like, or mm-hmm. this narrative is now going to come out to the general public and they don't want that. Um, and it's like part of it is yes like they want to quell all of like the rebel cells but also they need to be like they've been so careful with what the public sees and knows and how they like view the rebels that anything to like change that perception is a huge threat to them yes 
Yeah. Um, so with that, I think it's good we go into episode seven, which was kind of like from what we understand, kind of its own like standalone episode. Like it doesn't really belong to an arc. Um, it seemed to be kind of both wrapping up some of our Aldani and Farrick stuff while also then clearly setting up um the next arc of the show and what that's gonna be. So overall thoughts on this episode. I think it functioned really well as a bridge episode. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, bridging the ending of the Aldani arc and starting this new arc between Cassian. I don't know if he's on his own now that he's not with Luthen, but like doing whatever the heck he's doing and bridging the stories and finally bringing the Aldani rebels or what's left of them back to Coruscant and kind of regrouping with Luthen, who's their leader. Um, Score again, freaking banged in this episode. Uh... Not It'll forgetting Neomos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but now I'm forgetting everything that happened in this episode because I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. Um, <laughs> um, Man, it was everyone was back this episode. Yeah. Except for Vetch. He went back to Ferrix. He um we got more the dinner party, the dinner party. Yes. I'm loving the oh, dinner look party. At the that. <laughs> <laughs> um what else? And then Neomos, but we can get to to that towards the end but mm-hmm. overall again really solid episode mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to these next arcs mm-hmm. i've always been well i mean always it's only been seven episodes but i i've been preferring <laughs> the coruscant stuff so this episode was very bad there is so yeah. much happening i i love imperial coruscant I don't know why, it's but cool. the concept of it is so freaking cool because we have this icon that's been mostly paraded throughout the prequels era as like this beam of light in the galaxy and like this um this kind of anchor in in the in in the galaxy. And to see it spun on its head to something that oppresses so much and like you know what's going on, but you know that the rest of the citizens of Coruscant don't exactly know what's going on um I I don't know I'm I'm in love with it again I'm obsessed with the with the Imperial Senate I have to read Leia Princess of Alderaan um I I love Imperial Coruscant so much Imperial Coruscant is so cool too because like it's always I like how in this show in particular the opulence of it is always so directly Mm -hmm. contrasted with um wherever Cassian is yeah with Ferrix Mm -hmm. with Eldani when like they're living in like huts and sleeping in hammocks and taking mm-hmm. care of goats um and then you have mothma's penthouse yeah penthouse and luthan shop that is like all it's also luxurious yeah. and so and like even the way like the way luthan and mon mothma dress versus the way we see uh mm-hmm. like cassian or the and like then and like the differences the stark differences you get with someone like val when she's mm-hmm. on Coruscant versus when she was on um aldani is mm-hmm. Uh, it's so it's so good I I have trouble because I feel like every episode is my favorite and like six really went up there but I loved this episode I think mm-hmm. because a lot of it had uh we saw Cassie and a lot of um Cassie and going back to one of my favorite relationships so far which is Marva and B2 and also Bix I'm so excited to see more of Bix this episode I'm so excited to see where her story goes um like I, I just loved what this episode did for Cassian's character. Um, and I loved how we just got to see like all of these kind of storylines. Like you really see how things are starting to come together and like mm-hmm. you can start to kind of 
pull together more of like the little we haven't seen in the trailers yet to like really combine into like where this is going. Um, also, I'm very excited because we're going into the prison arc, which means that Melshi is coming back. And Melchie, I... I'm telling you, I, next week is for it's for the Melshi stands. It's for the Melshi stands, which is like Savi and Lids. <laughs> <laughs> I I cannot wait until they. I wish like I could like watch them watch the <laughs> episode because I just know they're gonna lose it when he shows up. Um, but. Oh, I, I, I loved this. I like that it slowed down a little bit from the last episode. Like mm-hmm. I really like how we really got to feel the fallout of what yeah. happened in the other two arcs. Um, Cause Cassian got to go back to Ferrix. And then also we see these direct um, consequences from what happened on Eldani. I feel and like I, we don't I really see that. the, sorry. Oh no. We don't really see the fallout of things a lot in Star Wars, yeah. which is why, um, most of the comics were set in between the movies where you can see like the immediate fallout like the first arc of star wars 2015 is like directly after like maybe a few days after um the events of a new hope and like empire strikes back it's set in between the year of empire strikes back you can literally see the like the first arc is leia luke and lando going back to bespin to try and find han and try and find luke's lightsaber we don't really see the ramifications and the fallout of things very often to see it in a live action star wars project is just it's just kissery. I, mm-hmm. it's it's such it's such a good storytelling device, and it tells mm-hmm. us so much not only about the characters but about the society they function in, especially a society under the Empire. Um, I love this episode, Slay. Okay. Yeah, this was this was very much like a transition episode for every yeah. single character. Like you got to see, like their stories up until this point, and you can see how things are changing for them and where it's going to lead next like we saw for Cassian, Marva obviously for like Lucin on Mothma like all of the characters are going through this like moment that's turning things for them changing things then you know from how they've been operating so far Vel as well <laughs> the yes. order she's given like every single character like this episode had so much like I looked at the time stuff I'm like it's only 15 minutes <laughs> I feel like yeah. there's like at least an yeah. hour and a half of, of stuff <laughs> going on and, and given the fact that it wasn't part of an arc it wasn't part of like a previous story or a new story like yes it does set it up but it doesn't really quite start it up until the very very end if it's i see so one person calling this on. a filler episode i'm oh, literally it's so this is what's so good, good about the show is it feels like it uses every scene efficiently if it's mm. not an action scene that's moving the plot along it's character development if it's mm-hmm. not character development it's setting up the next thing we're gonna see like it it does everything so efficiently where it really feels like it's using its time well and also I think like this show is just like a massive like a benefit of like why having these longer seasons is so good like Mm -hmm. instead of like this like rush like I I love I like Marvel and I've liked a lot of the shows that they've done but like it did feel like when you just have those six episodes that you're rushing through stuff Um, that's the main problem I have with the Disney Plus shows like mm-hmm. I personally not to go off topic but I personally really loved She-Hulk I thought it was super funny I thought it was, it was a 12 episodes <laughs> it was it was nine, nine. but it was oh three, nine sorry it was yeah. three extra than like yeah. Moon Knight or Hawkeye or fucking Winter Soldier were and I felt like I got to understand and like like the characters a lot more 
than mm-hmm. if if it had just been like six episodes and then just all been crammed into 40 minute episodes with cameos galore which that's what the whole show was about like this is not like the cameos had value oh, I'm, I'm getting too far ahead of myself um <laughs> yeah. but the, the point is is that they needed a 12 episodes episode structure in this show and were- i feel like kenobi could have been- benefited from it but and Andor is definitely using this format Boba much Fett better. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. show to me, getting... it's this is like this is like the daredevil to the DC. You're where like so it feels right. like that it has the longer like or Jessica Jones, like really any of the Marvel or the yeah. uh, Netflix shows, where like you just have more time to really mm-hmm. grasp onto the characters to have that character development. Um, I also like it's like also I mean clearly there's like parallels to be made uh between like also the tones of the show this has a much it has a much darker tone than something like um Mm -hmm. mando had um but like yeah just i i like them being able to really take their time um Mm -hmm. with the story and really and it really helps i think for characters where it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel rushed it doesn't feel like we're rushing through development to get through the next action scene developing the characters cassian's personal journey is Mm -hmm. just as important as whatever's going on the physical that he's going through exactly and it's not sacrificing Cassian's story or you know Mm -hmm. how the rebellion's forming like we're getting all of that and then we're also getting new settings and new places like like uh, Niamos like we wouldn't have gotten that like it could have so easily been oh he gets captured in Ferrix right with you know different or whatever right like they could have made it so he gets captured anywhere but we got like a nice big scene that wasn't unnecessary but it like it we were able to to get our time with that scene and enjoy it and like you know that change of tone and then you know shit hits the fan again um <laughs> but yeah like we're we're getting like the actual world building as well mm-hmm, in yes. every in every new setting like Aldani like they could have rushed through it in like one or two episodes and like you wouldn't have understood any of what's going on you wouldn't have gotten like the 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 dynamic with like the imperials and like seeing them slacking off you wouldn't have gotten like Mm-hmm. the locals like it's just like bam 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 done and like you wouldn't have understood much about that planet whereas we got so much rich world building and character development and story and action and everything mm-hmm. yeah I think and I think like and now that's not to say because I do think Mando does that but I think you know there's been especially I think season one but like I think like something like when you think of like the predecessor like book of Boba Fett felt like it was very much like rushing through to get to set pieces or like there were really good development or to get to certain characters stories yeah Yeah. they feel like they got steamrolled for characters who weren't Boba Fett (laughs) we will once again when we get to our book of Boba Fett oh oh, lordy (laughs) that'll be fun (laughs) we'll cause issues uh (laughs) but uh we'll jump into uh once again we'll, we'll start out with Cassian Ooh. it's very fun we get we get both sides of Cassian that I love which is we get soft Cassian and we also get slutty Cassian the duality of Cassian like you get to see him being like so sweet and nice with his mom and then like also you get to see like this, this girlfriend Slut. that he's had on uh this new planet that he went to and you're like nice <laughs> you've been here for how long <laughs> oh man I love it um <laughs> But we see Cassian go back to Ferrix in this episode and finally kind of see the fallout. Because I, I, it's like, you kind of forget that like we really haven't, we've seen like 
the personal fallout for Cassian of what happened in the first three episodes, but we haven't seen the fallout for the other characters and the community in general, um, Mm -hmm. or what that means for Cassian's standing in the Mm -hmm. community. And seeing him reunite with Marva and B2. That shit hurted. (laughs) That shit hurted. And the fact that like, he comes back because he just wants his mom to be safe and he wants to be able to protect and provide for her. I think probably, you know, there is still a discussion to be had about what happened, but in a similar way that she protected and provided for him um, and wanting to, and wanting to live a life with her where she doesn't have to worry about anything. She doesn't have to worry about the empire. She doesn't have to worry about him because, you know, he's handled it. It's, it's so, I just kind of put these people under here so we can talk about it, but like, I was kidding, but Marva, the scene where she, oh. she said, I, I, can't, I can't, I'll worry about you all the time. That's just love. And then Marva saying that I'm, ne- I'm literally going to cry. I've never loved anything as much as I love you. God. Just like. Oh, what God. a whopper of a line who who did this episode hold on <laughs> i think it was steven fiona oh no, fiona I mean, did. Uh, fiona um like delivered those lines beautifully mm-hmm. yes. oh it's still a conversation God. to be had about like the beginning of their yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah and i feel like at least for me it kind of like lost some of that, that magic a little bit because they still haven't addressed it um but it still doesn't you can still see like the love and like the closeness of their relationship and how important they are to each other. Um, yeah. And, and how much he's hurting at the idea of leaving her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, it just like, and like, you can tell, like, I like um, how, and I like this idea that like, you know, she's always kind of had that like rebel in her. Cause like we see in the original, she was like stealing from that ship and she, it's, I, I don't, it seems like maybe they, she, did she shoot it down or did she just find it we never really get that but like she is I was gonna say I think the ship had some sort of malfunction and then that was my initial like thought of like oh did something shoot it down or did it just have a malfunction but when you see the little explosion there's like yellow like smoke that comes out of it and I think oh it was like poisoning everyone yeah I think so at least yeah I mean they haven't really confirmed it but that was sort of my understanding after rewatching it yeah, and and which her, part was this? That was this was all the way right back in the very in beginning. episode, like yeah, two like, and three. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, that was fine. <laughs> yeah, like it just it it hurts. It hurts so bad, and the fact that B two like I'm gonna cry at B two because the fact that B two wants to keep his family together so badly. He's like, Cassian, where have you been? Oh, Marva, like, doesn't want to go, but, like, B2, like, wants them to stay together. He wants them to be a family, and it just, it, like, hurts my heart, because, like, he's, like, so sweet, and, like, there's always something to be said. I think a couple people have pointed this out, but, like, you can really tell a lot about Star Wars characters based on how they treat droids, Um, and the fact that Cassian is so gentle and and sweet to B2, um, I think, really then establishes, like, why too he is so um caring when it comes to uh k2 and like why he's so willing to trust him because 
in other times, like V2 was the only person who really cared about besides Marvel, like V2, like a droid consistently was one of the only people in his life that cared about him and like wanted him to stay safe and wanted to be with him. And that's just. Yeah, the excitement too, like it's a droid. <laughs> like, but the excitement that B2 had when Cassian comes to the door and he like pops up from his little charger and like goes running to him and like that little, almost like a pet, like he kind of like extended himself up so Cass Cassian can touch him and you're like, I know he doesn't have sensors, he's made out of metal, but <laughs> I don't know how much that touch actually like, whether he felt it like with whatever sensors he has, but like, just, you can see just how much like, like how attached he is to both of them. And like, not just even like to Marva, yes, but like to Cassian since the beginning, he's like going, like constantly going to like find him, to bring him stuff, talk to him, lie for him. Like, oh. yeah, <laughs> like, pulls up my heartstrings. Oh God, yeah. And then like Cassian saying he'll be back like I mean he's like we'll go somewhere also it's like we'll go somewhere warm so you don't have to deal yes. with the damp and cold <laughs> and like also somewhere warm like Canari like he's still but still yes. like, part of his identity right um, I don't want to talk about the fact that he ended up dying someplace warm I don't want to talk about it <laughs> oh no I didn't even think about that I'm gonna um <laughs> Also, I'm gonna I do was something going drastic. For, going forward a little bit, but uh, he ends up like it's seemingly his first interaction with a KX security droid unit is on a beach, and then he ends up losing K2 on a beach. God damn it! Do this. I saw that KX unit coming up. Like, like no, my heart started pounding. I was like. And then my brain was like, no. no. <laughs> I like how they specifically changed the voice so nobody could like confuse it. How they specifically made it like way deeper so we couldn't like be like, oh, well, it still could be K2. Like, no. I was no, petrified no. that they were going to decanonize that that one shot, the K the Cassian K2 special. I was terrified, but look, I, am, oh, no, no. Am I, I, I do, I do yeah. understand. Um, I, I do understand on, your sentiments. On principle, am I against decanonizing things? from the comics and books yes that is the exception i do not care yes. about that one they can change that story it's not very good yeah it's simply cassian simply has a better personality in this show than he ever yeah. did in that comic um we can get into that like, conversation for our tales of the jedi episode if we even do one. Oh yeah uh but also um uh, and then we have this conversation with Bix, which is a lot is heavy <laughs> the fact that he's so happy to see her again and she's just I mean she's just changed so much since last time he saw her like you know mm -hmm. that interaction with the corpse seeing Tim die and all because she was trying to help him yeah like oh god I did like the call out specifically of people on Twitter okay. trying to defend Tim <laughs> <laughs> your boyfriend tries to get me killed and I'm the villain so poignant poignant so, so true <laughs> how they predicted <laughs> how, they, how they predicted the discourse around that Hard. incredible and like, like I yes. can understand like the general like you know public being angry at Cassian mm -hmm. but you can't 
I mean, Tim has blame in that too, right? Yeah. And I think part of it is also like the anger, yes, it's directed towards Cassian, but like sooner or later, this was going to happen, whether it was Cassian or somebody else or nothing True. even needed to trigger it. The Empire was going to come down on them eventually. Right? Yes. Um, and Marva yeah. even says like, they're everywhere. Like when he's like, oh, like we'll go somewhere safe. And she's like, where? Like they're all, they're everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they're, they're like directing anger at like the immediate, thing yes. that happened but it's not it's not entirely his fault yeah and like I'm sure like part of it is like I'm sure if Tim was alive they wouldn't be happy with him but Tim is dead they yeah. you can't it's hard to hold a grudge against a dead person who is alive and connected to the situation Cassian mm-hmm. and like I think it's also kind of prominent of like as we're having these like as you know Diego has said so much about how this show being about like a migrant and immigration that like he is a migrant to that community and he is being placed blame even though like you said like most likely this would have happened anyway even if it was not him it would have been something else if anything else that they would have eventually come and it's blaming him in the same way in in real life a lot of times we see migrants and immigrants kind of just blanketly be blamed for problems in our society which are not on them or like like it's not their fault um and that's so like yeah it's so poignant um and yeah and also in that conversation with Bix it it was another one where you see so that history that comment about him sneaking over and and getting caught by her dad Mm -hmm. and and the fact that even when they're kind of fighting and they're splitting up they're still she's still like stay safe you know take care of yourself Cass she still is very familiar with him Mm -hmm. it's just like it it hurts yeah it hurts and like yeah and like part of me is wondering too like I don't doubt the community is but I do wonder if part of the reason she told him so bluntly too is because she knows that if he stays there he'll he'll get in trouble and she doesn't want him she is still trying she still so deeply cares about him and wants him to stay safe and he cannot stay safe if he's on Ferrix he can't stay safe anyway anywhere but that's like a whole different conversation yeah the one other thing with um, like Ferrix's reaction to him that I was also sort of seeing in that scene was when you have a community of people that are um, like impoverished or not doing very well, marginalized and trouble comes in, it's so easy to get to like for people to turn on each other because they're in such like difficult times anyways. And so that's sort of like what that reminded me of is like that town you can see like they're living, they're surviving, but things aren't going super great for them right like mm-hmm. they're um they're scavenging they're doing like hard labor they're doing like they're, it's not like an easy life and you know the fact that something happened and you know somebody brought the empire in quote unquote um that like you know obviously like makes things even harder for them and then like you know our like today's societies when there are marginalized communities like that and, and something happens it's so easy for like the 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 parallel to the empire to get people to turn on each other versus them seeing like oh this is act like this is the empire's fault you know like it's it's hard to see the big picture when you're just looking for like you know the food on your table or getting food on your table day to day Um, yeah and and how the empire relies on that because if people are blaming each other they don't blame them and they cannot rise against them if they are constantly fighting each other then they can't like combine to see and and realize the power that they have against the empire like I don't like I think the empire 
relies on that a lot to maintain their power because they can't always just have people on the streets. Like they need that kind of psychological aspect as well for it to work in their favor to feel like maybe your neighbor will turn you in. You don't know. So why would you trust them? Like, why would you trust them to, to rise up against the empire with you? Because what if they just turn around and turn you in to save themselves or, or in Tim's case, because he was jealous. Um, <laughs> the audacity. <Yeah. laughs> oh, the guy Bradley needed an excuse. <laughs> yeah, God, he was just hoping that someone could go along. Uh, I also like how Marvel is like, no sympathy. <laughs> She's just like, he's dead. she's probably so she's She's so right i was like you know if she's alive marva would have been swinging at him oh yeah she would have have taken her cane and just like (laughs) would be trying to like run him over (laughs) every time he just gets his little taser out every time (laughs) freezing his ankle Or like he would just keep running like back and forth into him, trying to knock him over. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But he's too small. <laughs> like, oh, man. oh God. fuck that guy. That's another. That's another person who like you. You just can't redeem. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, you're like, God. <laughs> it is <laughs> Tim. Um, <laughs> and then we have him. Uh, going to, how do you pronounce the planet again? I think Neamos. Neamos. And oh, he's, he's going, well, he's going through it, but they also were like a treat for the, for the, for the fans. (laughs) And they say there's no fan service in Endor. (laughs) Exactly. I had been asking for months. I am being serviced. I, there are multiple documented occasions in which I never seen or serviced. Where I said it would be nice if we had a shirtless Cassie and seen, and I can't believe that Tony Goroy has seen my t- my TikTok. <laughs> I can't believe Tony Goroy did that for me. He's in our walls too. He's, or he's just actively on Twitter. <laughs> he he said he said yeah I'm gonna hurt you, but as a treat you can have Cassian's titties, and that's really nice to me. <laughs> he's that's protecting beautiful. himself from the hurt he's inflicting by giving us these seeds. <laughs> He's like, he's like, he's like, I know that like, I'm going to like really put you through it emotionally, but like, just as like a fun addition, here's like a lot of like really beautiful women and sexy men for for everyone. Something sweet for the fucking kids. (laughs) For everyone. (sighs) It's like devastating, but like, look how pretty Bix is. Like, you know. (laughs) So true. Look at Mon Mothma's pretty dress. Like. (laughs) Mon Mothma. Oh, she, and, perfect segue no, oh wait we no haven't, we haven't finished, we haven't finished but arrested. we're gonna talk about the dinner party <laughs> but also I know there's like some discussion for some reason I saw something in Twitter I don't know how this got started some people are thinking that it was a flashback and other no, people are thinking I, I that, saw it wasn't that, too. A, that it wasn't a time jump it's not a flashback because yeah. he has the credits from the scene also he still doesn't have a beard yeah. so if it was a if it wasn't a flat if he had a flashback you would think he, they'd have the beard again mm-hmm to also, uh there's definitely a time jump because the way that that girl talks to him implies that they've been together for a while like yeah. he talks to him about things they've done together about people they know and Cassian responds in like a knowing way of like which direction he wants to walk and like where he wants to go that would imply that he's been there for more than like 
a day. Mm-hmm. I'm not doubting Cassie would land on a planet and immediately be like, let's, let's get it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's clear let's that- Let's get this bread. <laughs> let's get this bread. It's just- a few weeks, if not yes. a couple yeah. months. Like, and, a few weeks, it feels like. And that makes sense because they said this would be a year. And we it's only been like a week, Max. <laughs> like, I guess I yeah. count for hyperspace travel, but like, it has not been long. Yeah. And- uh, plus, in my secret thing, you have to give Sonic Carrera time to recover from his injuries on Terrible <laughs> Prime, which happened this same year. Uh, you have to give him time to recover before he ends up coming into the show. But like that mm-hmm. makes sense to me that it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a slight time jump, and it's clearly not. I don't even know where people are getting that. It's so no, I have no idea. And a if flashback. It, if it was a flashback, to what though? Because when he does like. The only yeah. other time that we know of that he goes to jail, he was a kid, like he was a teenager, and we know why mm-hmm. he goes to jail because he that was, like the whole reminds scene. us we did not oh, yeah, talk, we didn't about talk about Clem. Um, the flashback or that or scene. Oh, but, yeah, like that, right. that flashback scene when he's like running with the stick at, at like after what happens to Clem. That's yeah. when they catch him, put him in jail. And he he's the cook. and that would make sense because he said he was in jail from thirteen to sixteen, and that was exactly. more his age. And um, that's the only other time he's been in jail. So like flashback to when? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's another time that we don't know about, but um, like it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, and like that scene though, where it was he, it was like he was. You could see how it was like he was reliving it because they didn't. They it was him in it. They didn't switch to the younger actor yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and like unless it was from like, the back the back and like again this like idea of like Clem wasn't doing anything but because he was in the wrong place the wrong time and he was trying to stop them he ended up suffering the consequences mm-hmm. also because I think he was a separatist so he's like long lived or probably like he's like I don't care <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and then Marv is saying that she couldn't walk down that road for uh, for however long they said because she couldn't bear to think of him there mm-hmm. and the fact that like oh, that Cassian would like yeah go after the clone troopers after what they did mm-hmm. that's like kind of that beginning act of rebellion for him but like that's the it hurt it hurt so bad because you knew what happened to Clem but like seeing it knowing the context of it and it wasn't even once again he wasn't even the one causing the trouble he was trying to stop it he was like just like let them pass mm-hmm. and I'm wondering too if part of that after that is like the consequences of seeing that Clem even when he was trying to be helpful suffered and then Cassian mm-hmm. also like his actions made him I wonder if that is part of like mm. his kind of ideal of like just staying out of it because if Clem had just stayed out of it he mm-hmm. was still might- alive he would still be alive so Cassian might and after going to prison and probably even like experiencing because we've seen Mim Bam through Solo it's not a good place you it's mud it's gross you're not even fighting for a real reason there and like Fighting why then yeah like and why I, then that reinforces Cassian's idea of like I just want to stay out of it I think at one point I forget which piece of media it's in but they were fighting each other like they it was kind of the solo you're right yeah <laughs> yeah <I was> like, <laughs> but sorry a lot of mimban media in this, little, <laughs> in this little head but um yeah at one point they were just basically fighting each other because they had no idea who they fight who they were fighting against but continue sorry mimban tangent no. over <laughs> uh 
but then unless does anybody have else have anything to say about Clem or that situation um, well I wanted to just quickly parallel to like the real world what we oh, see yeah. about, like revolutions you know situations where there is like an occupying force or even just like with the protests that that happened you know over the last however you know during the pandemic um and seeing how like the force of like the police coming in and just like being really aggressive and rough and like it doesn't matter like yes. we're just here wrong wrong time um and you just got captured whatever and and then you see kind of the aftermath of that like you know places where um people black people specifically died and like putting up memorials in those areas and like being somebody in that community or being a relative of that person they would probably react the same way that marva did and like not want to go in that mm-hmm. area down that line that road you know because it just brings up too too many memories so like that entire scene and then even seeing like Ben Cassian's reaction to it, right? Like the younger generation seeing what's happening to like older generation and overseas in like a lot of um, a lot of countries with you know black and brown people, Muslims, um, etc., where they're like where their family or their you know military forces are, are doing things in their countries, right? Um, Middle East, Palestine, Iraq, Afghanistan, and like you see like the kids in those communities, the teenagers in those communities having to go out and like, they, they've had enough because like their, uh, their families are constantly getting targeted and killed and whatnot. And then they go out and like, like when you see like them throwing stones at protests and him running with like the stick and everything, it was like such a, such an awesome parallel to see. It's heartbreaking, but it's like, it's amazing to see mm-hmm. that on screen. Um, yeah. yeah. And like the often like unequal, reaction of force like that we see a lot in real life of like they threw a rock and the police and the police use that constantly oh they were throwing bottles at us okay but is bottles does that mean that then you get to throw tear gas is that really an equal reaction Mm -hmm. is an equal reaction shooting like literally in this case like shooting uh, an, an innocent man he was not doing he did not throw the rock like it's yeah it's like that parallel and I mean that leads us like kind of well into like the parallel like that I in the um on the beach where Cassian because he looks suspicious because he's looking around like, what the fuck does that mean yeah like because he because he didn't just ignore what was happening that he looked around suspicious that he wanted to escape someone who like a store trooper he then is is to blame and like how often that happens in real life stop and frisk um arizona where i think the the pulling over like migrants just because they're migrants and demanding to see like their papers like that is such a direct parallel to our real life and how like these marginalized communities often suffer mm-hmm. and for not not for do and suffer once again kesian was not doing anything he was reacting he was walking he was walking and he he was not with them he he didn't he just like and of course he's going to be on edge winning a shore trooper yeah but like because he wasn't just ignoring it like everyone else Mm -hmm. and like Um, also no go (laughs) well i was gonna say like with the whole shore trooper things like we know that stormtroopers are not all trained (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like like they can barely walk straight let's be 
but like a short trooper to me when I first saw it I almost like I, I basically started laughing because I'm like this just feels like rent a trooper like this just feels like a human like lesser version of a of a storm feel, trooper. you know what it is it feels like resort cops yes exactly, exactly. And it's like <laughs> this inexperienced untrained random police figure has some random little inkling of suspicion at somebody who's just walking around and that leads to six years in jail like yes I it's it's just it's mind-boggling but it also and like, is not the con- and like the connection to the actions that like the it was increased specifically because of what yeah. happened on Aldani and Cassian was involved in that so it's kind of like he's seeing this consequences also I really like how you see the directive like yeah there is no escaping the empire mm-hmm. like no matter what like it's you're either going to be on a planet with them even if you're on a planet and you manage to escape suspicion how long will you manage to escape suspicion because they'll find yeah. any and all reason to arrest people to bring them in to send them off to prison like mm-hmm. we see that constantly um I mean it's the same thing like Jin wanted and then they ended up directly finding her and asking about her and mm-hmm. she had to like dip and and leave and like that wasn't even the case for casting in this but like yeah like this mm-hmm. the empire will always expand and always find you and they don't even care who you are or what mm-hmm. you're doing like they just care about maintaining their power um and through any way and that includes like scaring people um mm-hmm. Yeah, so he'll be in his prison. Clearly, he's not going to stay in prison for six years. <laughs> Somebody was like, oh, six years, good. That puts us past row one. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's safe. <laughs> safe. To steal M's joke, the person who died in Rogo was actually Cat's Yen. His yeah, because he has clone. But he's all safe. But like, also, and that like whole court system, like the, the connection to mandatory minimums. <laughs> yeah, what court system exactly? They're just sending people through. They don't care about no. you. They just care about oh. getting through it. Oh, yeah. And I it's saw. All for show. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, it's all for show. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I actually saw a video on TikTok today before we started recording. Um, I think it was from Star Wars Explained. And they said that people were theorizing that Cassian was force sensitive because in the Orabesh, it says, um, <laughs> Emily's face right now. <laughs> in the, like the, the little thing that she, that she strikes across the record, it says that it says that he has suspected force sensi- sensitivity and assaulting an officer. He did mm. neither of those things. That just really shows that they're really just literally throwing spaghetti was, at the wall. And that that I, thought that, I thought that was somebody else's too. I thought that was somebody else's card. I don't uh, know. I think oh, okay. Cause I was like, oh, cause I was like in a different last name. And then like, maybe okay. he got his card confused with someone else. Again, like it yeah. just shows how little. Yeah. Cause get. I thought another card showed potential for sensitive. Like it was another person that they showed on it that like one of them. Anyway, Cassian is not force sensitive. This is the same thing where I read a theory that was like, oh, Jin's force sensitive because when her mom dies, the like grass around her blows. I was like, what the fuck is, I was like, Credit's cape is like blowing wildly in the wind. Everyone's hair is, <laughs> is he force sensitive. Is I'm he like, force sensitive? I'm like, it's windy. <laughs> This is an, it's not a reaction to her emotions. It's windy. POV. POV. Star Wars fans discover wind. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh God. He's not force sensitive. What force sensitive? I like, I like theories, but like sometimes people take it no. a little too far. Every, theories, I, 
theories have been ruined for me by one man who will rename I, names. I'm a force sensitivity uh, theory anti. hater. Anti. Whenever somebody's like, Han and Hera are such good fighters because they're force sensitive. I'm like, or maybe they're just good at their, what they do. Maybe they're just good at their jobs. <laughs> what they've been doing their whole life. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, prison arc, uh, Melshi's coming back. Melshi collab. Wait, the first will, Cassie and Melshi collab. We can talk about theories about Melshi uh, after we're done <laughs> going over everyone else, but I'm so excited. Uh, yeah. So the we have the interaction with Luthen and then the dinner party is kind of her two mm-hmm. main things. So thoughts on either of those from anyone? I don't remember exactly what their main interaction was, like the first one, but the dinner party. I love the, ner- the dinner party. Mm-hmm. So what was the first interaction? I forget. It was it was kind of Mon Mothma reaction reacting to Eldani, and it was essentially you could start to see the it was so it was very similar in my opinion to a lot of the discussions that she had had with Saw in the past where she is like ideology. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. She is kind of concerned that basically innocent people will be harmed by this because we do see that the Empire is reacting quite harshly in increasing tendencies, increasing taxing all of that stuff. And she's worried about the people who will get hurt. And Luthen's idea is kind of like, there are already people hurting under the empire. So, you know, we have to just do it. And then hopefully more people will start to join in and see the consequences of Mm -hmm. the empire. Um, I really think that'll probably come back into play. I think there's going to be more of that kind of tension, especially when uh, Luthen ends up meeting Saw. And I'd be interested oh to see also the ways in which Saw even goes a little bit further than Luthen, especially because Saw does not live this like double life that Luthen does. He is very directly attaching his name and face to a lot of his actions in a way that Luthen does not because he has the privilege not to. That's that's another discussion. Um, but yeah, if anybody else has thoughts on. I just, I just found it interesting because like in that conversation, I didn't know who to side with. <laughs> yeah. Like I could, I could see both sides, right? Like, yes, I understand people are going to be hurting at a much more, at an exponential rate now. But then I also saw Lucent's side where it's like, well, they're, they've been like, you know, slowly squeezing every little bit of life out of people now. And because it's been like gradual, you know, people haven't realized that like, we need to break people out of that. Um, mm-hmm. And it being like, you know, this big thing that serves looks like an announcement to get people, you know, on their side. Um, we know that the Empire is probably going to twist that. But anyways, um, but yeah, I could see both sides and I could see like how upset Mon Mothma is. And I, and I do sympathize with that, but it's like, yeah, it's like, it's hard to kind of like see which side to like, well, there is no really right or wrong, but I'm like, I, I, I didn't know how to like, which, who to kind of side with <laughs> it's what makes this show so good it's like because there's so much that gray area because you feel because like everyone it's like yeah like oh especially with a lot of your heroes it's like they all have a point and it's and it's what makes it so good is because you can understand where everyone is coming from and then it leaves you to really think about it and I really love that about this show mm-hmm. um yeah so now we'll go on to the dinner party with uh, Tay, who I 100% think she probably had a crush on when she was a kid before she was arranged to marry Perrin. (laughs) Yep, had to have been something deeper than a friendship in the past. Like they were very like 
close and like, yes, okay, maybe it's his friends, but I, I just wanted her to have had happiness before Paris. Leave yes. him on. Yeah. Leave him. I, I need her to have an affair with him or something. Just, yes. Please. <laughs> Somebody. She, she should cheat on it with someone. Just have Cassie and Perrin meet and he'll take care of him. Yes. Please. I bet Luthen would even oh, just. Luthen would probably. Kalea. Get Clea in there. Clea, Clea, more like Clea. No, uh, her outfit, her outfit slayed this episode. Like, she won both her and Val. So good. Mm-hmm. I just love. I like how. I also like how people were thrown off because seeing them outside of their regular outfits with like makeup on and like to heels, like people were like, "Who was that?" And I was like, "It's it's the same character we've seen for the past <laughs> four episodes." <laughs> and people are like, "I didn't know that was Val." I was like, "There are only so many blonde people." You were talking about the height. <laughs> <laughs> even if you didn't recognize her, the context of the conversation. And I was not like, even I that. Was like, no, go ahead. I was like, "Damn, maybe I do understand what men mean when now they think that like makeup is catfishing." Because like, damn, you guys can't tell those are the same characters just because Leia threw on a red lip, <laughs> put her hair down. Oh my god. Uh, back to the dinner party. <laughs> Liv, you seemed very excited. I, oh, I just think Mon Mothma slays. Like, her outfit was gorgeous. And that entire conversation with Tay, I honestly feel like that'll be the connection to Sagarera. Because when he Ooh. said, when he said, um, what did he say? Oh, his politics are a little strong, might be a little strong for her taste. I was like, Oh. what hmm. does what does that mean <laughs> so i don't know my mind just said maybe he knows saw maybe he's involved with saw so oh i wouldn't maybe, be surprised i would and maybe yeah he tells mon mothma and mon mothma ends up sending luthan because like she can't go meet yeah. saw and maybe he knows that she knows that like based on like her appearance versus like luthan he doesn't know luthan luthan's general attitude is more similar to his so she'll think yeah. that that'll go yeah. over better if he's the one to recruit him into the rebel alliance Ooh. this is so yes yeah <laughs> i i loved when we i loved all of the show but like this was one of my favorite moments in like seeing her mask slip and how mm-hmm. she has to play it like as she's she's still talking to him having to keep up the appearance mm-hmm. and the smile uh oh. And then, like, when she says, like, pretend to laugh or whatever, or, like, smile. And And he hasn't had to do that. Like, you know. The quote of... Oh, as long as I'm a nuisance or something. Well, that that one, and then also, like, if you're worried about... If I show you the stone in my hand, you won't notice the the knife to your throat. I love that. It's so poetic that something she learned from Palpatine is going to... Her enemy. His example. Poetic amazing and especially knowing that she is the one who becomes the new chancellor of the new republic that like it makes it so much better knowing that she basically takes over i mean he's just a dictator but like she will take over the title that he has the position well he was chancellor before too makes it so good this fucking show is insane oh my god i'm having a moment over here hold on (laughs) (laughs) like and the fact that also perrin definitely seems jealous Mm-hmm. yeah good <laughs> but also do we think he's a spy i don't know if he's smart enough mm-hmm. but i feel like he's he's spying on her or something like there's no way he's constantly hovering like that and then being cold to her like I, jealousy yes 
but like I don't know I feel like because we don't see him mentioned in anything else and he's like doesn't have a presence in the other trilogy uh trilogy or like any of the media she's been in I think that my theory has been he might kind of try to find out like kind of put together the pieces of what she's doing like this answer asking her questions and then try to like turn her in and but then she'll somehow flip it around or like I've, I've theorized that maybe Lita will end up siding with her mother mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. one and then like maybe Perrin will like suffer consequences or something that like we'll see like Lita kind of come through for Mon Mothma um and yeah like but I think Perrin might try to like betray her in some way honestly I've said before oh. Perrin is gonna try like you said to betray her and then Mon is gonna pin all of her rebel activities onto him and that's why we don't see him oh, I'm telling you that would be that would be and it, and it would kind of make sense then she kind of gets to play it kind of helps her cover for the next like three years that she yeah exactly like, oh, oh I yeah. just like my husband was a rebel it was so shocking to me Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. exactly Interesting. the dots have connected yeah I love how she just like outright says he can't be trusted <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not like, like she has like she's just tolerating him that's it yeah and I, no. I think if she didn't have a daughter she probably like would oh yeah separately or something, yes right? mm-hmm. like, yes but they have to keep no up appearances Mm-hmm. well yeah keep appearances and I do think I wonder if she is worried about like you know a situation where Lita ends up under the care of like parent exclusively and what yeah. that might mean yeah it's terrifying this is Indeed. another great example of like how Perrin is like seemingly pitting Lita against Mothma yeah mm-hmm. go ask your mom yep. go ask your mom him. for permission and his dumbass robes also he's <laughs> flirting with like every woman oh every yeah. scene we see him with a different yeah, woman like please. flirting Mm-hmm. I hate him. So gross. I hate him. I hate him. He doesn't deserve Mon Mothma. So he's flirting with other women, but he gets jealous when Mon Mothma is Stop sitting with her childhood son. friend. Typical. The- <laughs> typical. Yeah, exactly. Typical. <laughs> I don't get it. Um. Now we can move on to uh, Dedra and the ISB, mm-hmm. where we get a very fun cameo. <laughs> Shout out to Mac because I did not realize that it was Colonel Yularen. Yularen. I'm like, this has to be somebody that we know. know me too. But like, I didn't, it didn't click for me. And I think it was the voice. I saw people saying Yularen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have this I, in the captions you can see it. And I think also yeah. um, people are saying that he was in the credits. But because I, I was watching it and Luke kept being like, it's it's Yularen for sure that has to be him and Char was like I think it's just a guy with a mustache <laughs> no because but I think saw... the Palpatine mentioned really connected it for me mm-hmm. yeah but it was so cool it was cool seeing him that was a that was like a very good use of a cameo to me because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like if you if you knew who he was it was really cool if you didn't it didn't affect the story all you had to know that he was like a high up ISB agent who had connections to Palpatine and was here to help them. And that worked perfectly, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, no cameos in this show, whatever. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. I'm... No I cameos, can't. no Easter eggs. I... And this was all complaints before the show even came out. Anyways, moving Literally. on. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> moving ridiculous. on. Yeah. Um, I, this show is so good because <laughs> everything about teacher is objectively the bad guy. <laughs> and yet you're yeah. like... Good for like, her. Like, 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 like when she's as a woman, the guy, working like, 
I am a woman yeah. in STEM, Bunsen burn. <laughs> yeah, like working in like an industry that's predominantly men who like clearly like, and we've seen it multiple times where like, they're not helping her out. She's kind of new to the dynamic and like has been told to like, like watch her back multiple times. And like seeing her kind of win the guy who's trying to screw her over. That was me, delicious. I was like, yes, go and I was like, no, wait empire <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like and two it's like because you feel because you know she's right too when she's talking about that's what I would do like she sees the pen or the rally and so you're like you what like you, she's right so you're rooting for her but then you're like wait no <laughs> like and I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what makes this show so good is because like you're rooting like they make you care about like even the villains that like you're yeah. uh, you're interested in her even though you know that her her getting ferrets can only lead to bad things for Cassian. Him being on our home planet, it possibly indirect. We think because we've seen the trailer scenes indirect contact with someone like Bix, who Cassian cares about very deeply, is only a bad thing. And it's only like her winning this is only a bad thing. But you're cheering for her because you're like, yeah, fuck that guy. Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, and and it's yeah. so and like yeah, like as you're saying, as women, it's so relatable because like. I think most of us have been in a situation where like men are looking down on us they're not listening to us and you want her, that validation of, like oh like in disneyland with- at fucking doc ondars <laughs> oh god i i got mansplained to at galaxy's edge at doc ondars about there being books that connected to games god <laughs> oh my god yeah of all people of all people sorry we're getting off topic Uh, again but go ahead also I think this leads well into like our last character but I really think in this thing you can really see what they what uh Denise and Kyle met when they said that they're imperial twin flames because nobody's listening to them because nobody's listening and you have that they're constantly going above and beyond above what they're being told to do to do what they think is right um and also to like have that like validation of like themselves getting validation of like they did a good job because like Cyro clearly is doing it because he does not get it from his mother <laughs> big mommy issues, mommy there. issues. Yeah. Dedra I think has the the layer of like the the um you know the wanting woman. having woman in to the prove her yeah woman in the workplace wanting to prove herself amongst these colleagues to show that she is just as good um and it's really interesting and even like now you see like Cyro's like I'm gonna clear my name just like Dedra ends up clearing her name in this episode from getting reprimanded. Now she has been, she's like, this is why I was doing it. And like, you can see it. It's so interesting. I'm, I'm still, I'm, it's, we've waited so long. They really baited us, but like, I'm so interested to see like what their actual dynamic when they finally interact ends up being because they're, they're so similar. But like, of course, like what they've said is like, they're in two different places. Dedra is like really on the rise, getting what she wants. Where like Cyro it's just <laughs> he's in his little cubicle he's in his he's, little uh, his, yeah uh, corporate health his <laughs> uncle hates him yeah he's Why working he... his nine to five depressed he's just like me for real <laughs> just like me for real his uncle maybe not even he hates him but he just doesn't think much of him yeah like, he just thinks like like because they it seems he's just another corporate paper pusher 
Yeah. Like, or, I like, wonder, like, 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 he doesn't have a relationship with them. He's like, oh, whatever, my nephew, like, yeah, just get him in there, like, whatever. Yeah, because, like, I'm wondering if it's, like, you know, because he, he mentions not hearing the other side, and, like, I'm wondering if, like, Edie didn't pick up on the notes of probably like he's like I just need to like get him this job so she stops calling me (laughs) so like she stops bothering me about this and like I don't want to talk to this woman I've gone out of my way not to talk to this woman or think about her her little son so as soon as I can get him in a job it's not my my problem anymore that is essentially my family in a nutshell (laughs) (laughs) like just like I I love nepotism but but nepotism that in the end just makes uh it's bad for him like antenna nepotism okay skywalker nepotism yes car nepotism maybe not so slay even well car nepotism they don't like doing nepotism clearly (laughs) that guy doesn't want to be a nepotism uncle shoves him in like the worst job yeah one thing i want to see is like because not that i'm not rude like not that I'm rooting for him to fail, but like I have a feeling that Cyril's gonna either like is it Cyril or Cyril? Anyways, um, you I have a it. feeling he's gonna mess up in some like big way, or he's gonna like abandon his job, and <laughs> then he's Good gonna come him. back around to him through his uncle and mother, <laughs> and abandon his job, and become a rebel. We dynamic, can... yeah, and then his uncle's actually gonna care because he's like, "You're making me look bad, right? You abandoned your post." Yeah, Sorry, that's exactly. a Game of reference. <laughs> abandon, I hope, we can only hope abandon his job and becomes a rebel in, well, my yeah. hope is because I think he's, he's, he feels prime for that. He, it's just, he's always displaying that the Empire does not care about that. They don't actually care about making a difference. They don't actually care about that. And, but like the rebellion does. And if he just took his rules and applied them in the right place, Mm-hmm. Also, Edie Card was wrong. That brown suit slayed. <laughs> you yeah. slaying. I disagree. That was such a cool fit. Also, I love his like Cassian senses tingling that he immediately jumped up. <laughs> that heist took yeah. place. You're like, okay. <laughs> his, oh my his, god. Deep down, their, their <laughs> weird connection, his weird obsession. That's the that's the Javert popping out. <laughs> Uh, other thoughts on Cyril? Let the man cry. Yeah. Let the man cry. Got another sick look at his action figures. I, I love I love that he like looked into the camera. Like, like he, was he was on the office. office. Yeah. yeah. Just like, like, I hate my life so much. Look at me, he look was- in the eye of his dead eyes. <laughs> I love and the seatbelt tie to work uniform. It's a little better that that's not something he's voluntarily wearing. It is a fit that he's forced to wear. Still, I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Uh, yeah. Um, so any other thoughts on this episode? And then also slash, we'll get into like theories. I can't wait for the next arc. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Prince. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I don't know. <laughs> oh go uh, I was gonna say I don't know if this is really like a theory but a thought that I had um we didn't really chat about like the conversation between Val and um oh yes we can go over that really quick <laughs> um but I don't think that that order is coming from Lucen like I think it's Clea trying to protect Lucen because if, Clu- if mm-hmm. Lucen wanted him dead he oh, would have yeah. told Val like straight up hey at the end of the heist get rid of Cassian right um and I don't think Cassian not 
coming back with Bell makes a difference, right? Like, you know, the fact that he's now off on his own, that's not going to be the thing that worries Luthen. But I think if Clea worried about Luthen herself, the rebellion, all of it, um, and so she's telling Bell to go track him down and and get rid of him. Tie up loose ends. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I also think, I know a lot of people, first of all, I like how you can really see that Bell's struggling and also Mm -hmm. that she wants to see Cinta. I know some Mm -hmm. people are very convinced that Bell dislikes Cassian enough to try to kill him. I disagree. I know she does. I know that she's angry at him at the end of the episode. I think that we see that she is starting to grow really frustrated with her position in whatever mm-hmm. this this group is. She wants mm-hmm. to talk to Luthen. She's not being able to talk to Luthen. She's constantly pushed things on her that are not her decision. She's unable to talk to her girlfriend, the one thing's actually bringing her happiness. She's assigned to kill this guy where like, she was just like, she could have killed him. She, if she was really that upset and angry with him, she could have killed him on the planet. And she didn't. I think that, and I think that it seems, it seems like she goes to barracks. Um, there's like a shot of her in the trailer. I think once, if she ends up interacting with people who talk about Cassian, she's going to get a better picture of him. And I think that she is not going to kill him because I think that in the end, she's going to maybe want to find a way out of working under Luthen potentially. And mm-hmm. that is, I don't know. I, I don't think she, well, clearly she's not going to kill him, but I, I don't, I also <laughs> think that she might not even end up really trying because I think that she is going to come around. And I think the frustrations that she's feeling being in this organization right now are going to kind of come down onto Cassian. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, going to Melshi. I think Melshi might already kind of be in the rebellion because how else is Cassian going to escape if he's not, you know, Melshi being the one character that we know was in Rogue One, them meeting particularly in prison. I think there has to be some sort of connection of like, whether he is potentially a part of another cell that we don't know if he's maybe working or if he is another person that's working for Luthen and that's how they connect because they end up finding out that they both worked for the same guy. And it would make sense that like they'll, like maybe Luthen is setting up kind of multiple different missions and and Melshi is another, is a, another moving part of like a different one that like potentially that could be their connection um, between mm-hmm. them. That's my theory or that he is some sort of other rebel. Um, also because I think on all of the, like on his like agent's website, they specifically list him as Sergeant Melshi already and not just Bruce Scott Melshi. It already has his title or his rank attached to it, which makes me think that he might already be a part of it. Um, other really quick theory, we also, there's a clip now that shows that turns out that one guy, the redheaded uh, Imperial we keep seeing in meetings is working with Luthen. Was that in a TV spot? Yeah, somebody found like a clip or a TV spot where it shows that he like meets up with Luthen. I was not aware of that. So however, there's there's some sort of double agent there maybe in that guy. I I didn't even like recognize him. Yeah, Yeah. I have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) No, it's so it's it's the red. It's like the one redhead guy. um, He got yelled at this episode. Yeah. 
which that's also knowing that happened that was like a red flag to me knowing that he got yelled at and like particular for not doing something in his job or not doing it well raised a red flag for me that I'm like oh maybe he's doing it intentionally Mm. and he's intentionally fucking up and that's kind of part of it and or then feeding information back to lose him about what's happening in the ISB I am living laughing loving this series (laughs) I I'm obsessed it's I forget the character's name. It's played by Robert Ems, who is a person who, he he wasn't announced with the initial cast, but he snuck up on like the IMDb very quickly. And everyone's like, who is that random man? Who is he playing? <laughs> uh, and uh, originally it was saying Supervisor Jones, but now- Jones? Say, yeah, but now he has a different name. It's okay. still something with a J, but I just forget it. Um, Isn't that Young? Yes, it's something like, like that. Jung, Jung, maybe? Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think they pronounce it as young. Young, yes. So interesting. Oh, okay. I do remember that name then because it was like Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's articles yeah. about him joining, but yeah, all I can think about is I'm like it's just the redhead guy. Cause there's like <laughs> kind of so few redheads. Like it's like when you don't have a brunette person in Star Wars, you can just kind of be like the redhead, the blonde. <laughs> <laughs> so next we'll get into Castle Run Book Club. Uh Suhela, what are you reading? <laughs> so I'm currently reading Rebel Rising, um, at least listening to the yeah. audiobook. <laughs> I started it just before um, just before Andor, and it's been like great, like listening along. I'm almost done it, um, but it's really interesting to see like like Jin's perspective and what she's going through, and some of the things that we were talking about as well. Like she's also like thinking like, what is the point of the rebels? Like they're just messing everything up right now, and like yes, the Empire is doing bad, but like the rebels are causing harm because of the things that she goes through as well. So I, I find that really interesting and definitely a good companion to the show. Yes, there's, there is a lot of good, you can really see the foil between Jim and Cassie and how they're developing it in this show. But like a lot of the stuff that happens in Rebel Rising, like uh, like her relationship with Saw kind of mirroring mm-hmm. something like, um, it's kind of a combination of Luthen and Marva, but also Marva is a little bit like Acacia. Um, Fix and or Jin and Hater being giving a lot of Fix and Cassian kind of vibes. Um, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you're reading it and enjoying yeah. it. I it's my favorite Star Wars book ever, and I try to get everyone to read it. So and it's perfect reading it during Andor is such a good decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would definitely recommend once you're done with that and Andor um, that you read the Rogue One novelization. Yeah. That one's next on my list. <laughs> It'll hurt a lot. A lot of the Saw and Jin stuff hurts more in that book. And then especially when you know what happens with them in Rebel Rising, it, it hurts bad. Star Wars is pain. <laughs> Comics that came out this week. <laughs> um, Vader 28. I did not read it. I did not read it either. Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, we were talking about this earlier in our group chat. But it seems like they did really good stuff in the first two arcs of Vader, and they just don't know what to do with it now. They keep yep. bringing the handmaidens back. Sabe's character is like all over the place. Like the the ending of the panel from twenty seven, I really conflicts with why she was with Vader in the first place. Um, maybe I'll read it. I don't know. It's a pretty sick cover. Um, I don't know. Not. I, didn't, I didn't even bother going to the comic book store last week because that was the only one on my poll list. And yeah. 
I can't be bothered. I'll go. I'll pick it up this week. Maybe I'll read it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If once they get done with all the Sabe stuff, maybe. Honestly, I would rather have the run end with mm-hmm. Hidden Empire rather than just them rehash the same fucking storyline over and yeah. over. Like, oh, Vader's sad. He misses Padme. Like, we got the first two <laughs> arcs know. of that. <laughs> we have the. We get we have- it. <laughs> I don't fucking. I don't that get it. Sabe kill him. <laughs> so oh, true. That's how. That's how the original trilogy is decanonized. Canonized. <laughs> so true. Cheryl Soul and uh, who wrote the Vader comics working together to decanonize. <laughs> so true. It'll be decanonized when Sab when Sabe kills Vader, but also when Kira kills the Emperor in Hidden so Empire. True. So true. It's gonna happen. I live in delusion. <laughs> and Valance joins in the rebellion and kisses Han in the mouth. So true. This week though. Oh, go ahead. Oh. I was like, I know, I know the first issue of the, I think it came out the week we did not record. Uh, the first issue of the new High Republic uh, oh, yeah. series came out. Oh, I have not read it yet. I picked it up. I have not read okay. it yet, but I'm excited. No, no spoilers, but holy mother of God. Um, it looks like next week, the only thing we have is Afro 25, Afra. Yeah. which I saw the preview for, and I thought it looks cool. You know what's happening this Wednesday? bounty hunters preview oh my god you're so right <laughs> yeah yay i get to see my sexy little guy i maybe. miss him so bad Stop. maybe you 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 don't know they might not put him in the preview i will do something drastic <laughs> <laughs> um anyway that's it from us wait i'm actually reading tarkin <laughs> And no, actually, I'm reading Tarkin. And last night, I started Star Wars Volume One, the the at the issue from 1978. Oh. So literacy returns by the graces of for Tarkin. <laughs> That's like the one canon book where every time I'm like, oh, I should read all the canon books. I'm like, do I want to read Tarkin? <laughs> I mean, honestly, so far it's not so bad. It's just funny because it's about Tarkin, but yeah. <laughs> I've, also, I just have I just have issues. It's my same thing with Catalyst. I liked Catalyst because of the Jin and Lyra and like saw stuff, but like I did not care about Krennic. Or they showed Tarkin in that book too, and I was like, I don't give a shit. Also, for all the people saying I should cosplay young Tarkin, fuck all of you. I was Every literally going to bring that up. You I have to. Well, you, you have to cosplay Yaddle. Mm-hmm. Oh now, my fucking god! We did. We got Yaddle cards of art. I forgot that. Yeah, but we got the Yaddle cards of art, and Bryce Dells Howard is. Uh, is playing Gattle. <laughs> I love that so much. Bryce Dallas so Howard funny. is fatty. Oh, I love I her. Love I think her. it's so funny. Truly, she is the recipe now to uh, I feel like they're nep- <laughs> not nepotism, clearly, but but now I'm like, I'm like, she like keeps, I was like, maybe she's the secret to like good uh, David John projects now. Because <laughs> if you think about it, yeah. what were some of the best Mando episodes? The one that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. You're right. So you're right. Like, they wanted to also, have they wanted to have her good her, her good vibes in the in also, um a uh, Bryce Dallas Howard to play Domina Tag. I've thought long and hard about that. Now it's like it's now it's, it's not because I'm in love with Bryce Dallas Howard. Not not no, it's completely not <laughs> and she just so happens to be a redhead who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like 
I, yeah. Honestly, just put Bryce Dallas Howard in Star Wars so as true. a character, finally. So true. And let her write and direct her own series. Let Kira. her write and direct Akira. Yeah, exactly. Akira. Anything or Bo-Katan. Akira yeah. or Bo-Katan. Because somebody needs to... <laughs> the, men, the men can't touch those two. <laughs> they Please. shouldn't. Please. Uh, Fear. Yeah. I'm Emily, reading. I'm reading. <laughs> I've not had as much literacy. I've, I read more, but I'm still reading uh, Now I Rise by Kirsten White. I started it, I think, two weeks ago, and I'm still working my way through it. My life has been, we've had a lot of moving, but I'm finally like kind of settled into my new room. So that has uh, helped with uh, actually reading. But also, yeah. side note, yourself slays. Yeah. Oh, it's thank so nice. you. It took me hours <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and then when I found those 10 other books after I had done the whole thing. I, I feel. Was, uh, so thank you so much, Zahela, for joining us. Uh, do you want to let the people know where they can find you again? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so, far, so much for having me. Really yes. love talking with you ladies um, and talking about Andor in general. Uh, where yeah. people can find me, I'm on TikTok and Twitter at Sue Series. So that's S-U-S Series. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we will put all of her links in the description so you can follow her. And you definitely should because you make amazing content. Also, you sell very cool earrings oh, that you wear yeah. often. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been like trying to get them all <laughs> up online yes. and like getting supplies and stuff because I just have like little scraps that I make yeah. prototypes. I, I was looking at the Andor ones and I was like, oh, I'm probably going to have to, I'm definitely going to have to pick those up. Red. Yes. Oh, I like need but to get so red good. acrylic so, to make them, but yeah. They're so cool. So yes, definitely make sure to check her out. She has been covering Andor uh, a lot on TikTok. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on social media. If you want to ask us questions, you can send them to our email or on Twitter. It's fun to answer questions. Nobody has sent us one yet, but it would be fun to have one one day. <laughs> it's the Michael Scott. I love inside jokes. Would love to be a part of one. I love, I love viewer questions. Listener questions. Would love to, we'll have love one. to answer them. Um, thank you. Uh, so you can do that. Uh, thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you.